tip today in association with Slatteries of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slatteriesgarage.ie Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007, our free phone number. doesn't cost you anything to make a call. And Emma is producing uh, today. Coming up on this morning's show, tit for tat among Irish politicians is predictable and repetitive. And that's according to one of our contributors. We'll be chatting about that in just a moment's time. This concern about traffic in Killinall. Should the Gardaí be armed? We have our agony aunt, Phil Prendergast, with us just after 11. And lots of uh, listeners chatting about various different uh, topics as well. So all of that and much, much more on the way. We'll also play Match 3 a little later on in the programme. If you want to uh, log in for that now, you can do so on 083 311 At any time at all, you can email Tip today at tipfm.com. Quick look at the headlines uh, today. The Irish Times leading with Spiritans told to keep all records for possible inquiry. The government has requested that the Spiritan order retain all its assets and maintain all records related to sex abuse allegations in its schools, which have been at the centre of recent claims by former pupils. Also on the Times today, we're reading that uh, the number of Irish people who are living after cancer has grown by more than half over the past decade as survival rates continue to improve. The Daily Mail, bonuses back for bankers. This is going to cheer you up on this Tuesday morning. A ban on bankers' bonuses at banks bailed out by the state, that's you, um, that were introduced following the financial crash crash is to be uh, removed and also in the newspapers today. Uh, There's reaction to that uh, documentary on RTE last night about Sean Quinn uh, on the mail today. It says Sean Quinn's sensational interview on the Lunny uh, kidnapping. The Irish Examiner, they're leading with a Celtic Tiger developer, has €170 million in debt written off. Now, if you owe the bank a few bob and if you're terrified about it, And uh, having sleepless nights about it, have a listen to this. A Cork-based former dentist who became a major Celtic Tiger property developer has had a record £170 in debt written off by the High Court. Isn't that incredible? The court approved a personal insolvency arrangement uh, allowing the developer and investor Barry Hart to write off debts owed to NAMA and various financial institutions. And here's the thing. He's 55 years old. He's from Bandon in County Cork. And all he has to do is provide a total of €80,000 to his creditors. £170 million written off. Isn't that incredible? Uh, the Irish Indo, a new squeeze on renters as thousands of landlords quit the market. The rental market has shrunk by 43,000 homes in the last year. And a further squeeze on renters as landlords continue to cash in on their properties and leave the market. So that's a look at what's making headlines today. If you want to comment on any of that 
083-311-3311. Now, yesterday we spoke to councillors Michael Murphy and uh, David Dunn about the county council budget that passed with a 5% rate increase. Now, you might remember yesterday, uh, Michael Murphy of Fine Gael uh, decided to uh, vote against that. And uh, surprising for most people, I suppose, um, David Dunn and uh, uh, Councillor Black as well of Sinn Féin voted for uh, the budget, which wouldn't normally happen. Um, Ryan O'Mara, who's a Fianna Fáil uh, rep in North Tipperary and also a regular contributor to the programme, um, sent us a correspondence on this yesterday and he joins me now. Ryan, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Great to talk to you, Ryan. You were rather annoyed by the chat yesterday. You said, tit for tat among Irish politicians, it's predictable, it's repetitive. Um, why did you get so annoyed over it? Yeah, well, first of all, the, the beginning of the chat, I actually thought, and most of the interviews yesterday were very good. They were informative. It was a respectful debate. Um, and both sides gave very good arguments why they voted each way. And I actually enjoyed listening to them. But it was the end of the conversation that really got to me. Just all of a sudden, it just escalated into just throwing muck at each other. That your party is this, your party is that. And it's just, it's so predictable in Irish politics. The politicians are going to go down that route and it really frustrates me. Is it not inevitable, Ryan, and with respect, is it not naive to think that politics will always end up in that sort of, you know, mudslinging? Uh, yeah, I think we just shouldn't accept it. It's as simple as that. I mean, why should we say that politicians can get into that arena of, of throwing mud at each other all of the time? or in every debate, at some stage in every debate. They should be able to stand over their own policies, say, this is what I stand for, this is why I vote the way I vote, and this is why I believe you should vote for me. Not throwing muck at the other side and saying, oh, this, they're that, they're the other. And, yeah, maybe it is a bit naive to say it, but maybe it's also worth saying that maybe we should stand up and demand more from politicians. How do we go about that? Because I'm just thinking, I mean, if you look at the arena that is the Doyle, um, there, there's, I mean, from the moment somebody gets to their feet, there's mud being slung and there's allegations and there's sort of commentary and all of that and heckling. And Absolutely, I was going to say the heckling, especially, you know, in the, the bigger debates from the back benches when one, one side is speaking, the other side are shouting and vice versa. And it's, yeah, I, I like it. it's no wonder people are disenfranchised of politics and disillusioned. Um, but you actually mentioned the arena in particular, and that's something I've been thinking about. Like in Ireland, we have a very adversarial type of politics and it comes from the Westminster side of politics, which I suppose is a remnant of the British Empire and yes. colonisation here. And it's something that the US follows, obviously Westminster follows, even New Zealand and Australia have similar parliaments. But it's in great contrast to the type of European politics we see that's built on consensus. It's even down to the shape of the chamber. So the doll chamber is a horseshoe chamber whereas a lot of European parliaments, even the European parliament itself, is a, a semicircle or a hemicircle. Right. And it builds this type of politics where it's, OK, we're all elected. We're elected to represent people of our country, of our sovereign nation, and we have to do best by them. So we'll work together to that's, do best That's by very them. interesting. So the chamber is uh, indicative of the style of politics, whereas we have them opposing each other across yes. the, the corridor from each other, and that's the way it works. Yeah, it's, yeah if, it's you think, if you think about it all, it is actually a horseshoe shape, and Westminster has the benches down both sides. They're both facing each other. They're both shouting over and back at each other, especially Westminster in the likes of leaders' yeah. questions. Um, whereas if you think about the European Parliament or if anyone's ever seen the German Parliament, 
it's more of a semicircle. Everyone is kind of sitting together, facing the front. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's now it's it's more than just the shape that is doing it. Is the entire design of politics, and um, that ours is an adversarial system. And um, now, and, and what about the th- the the aspect of this, Ryan, that we enjoy this very much? I mean, when Matty gets to his feet in the dial, or when the Healy rays or something, we we look forward to the entertainment of it as well. I suppose. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I look forward to that when I see it happening, but I guess some people do. Um, but that's not what politics is about. Politics isn't supposed to be a soap opera or one side versus the other shouting over and back at each other because at the end of the day, how does that help people pay their bills, deal with their daily struggles, get an education, get access to healthcare or housing? It doesn't. It does none of that. Mm. It's by working together and passing laws, changing statutes, legislating that actually makes a difference in people's lives. Um, And and how would you go about changing things because I, I'm not sure would I be a little more concerned about politicians arriving into the chamber with a done deal on, on aspects of of legislation and the like, if you know what I mean without seeing an open debate Yeah, no, no, the, the debate is still necessary but it's whether the debate is constructive And respectful or is, or, Yeah, exactly, or is the debate just I'm going to get up and say my few minutes get my sound bite, hopefully the media will cover it and I'll put it on my social media and mm. I'll sound great nobody benefits from that except the politician. Whereas if you have a system where politicians are going into the chamber actually looking at policy and how this will affect people and trying to compromise on each side to come to a solution that is going to benefit ordinary people. Um, Your own party would be very much guilty of what what we're talking about, Ryan, so I presume you would acknowledge that, would you? Yeah, it's across the board. I'm I'm not criticising anyone individual. I haven't named anyone today. Um, it's the system itself is what I have the issue with and the way that politicians in general engage with. Um, and now, obviously, if we're talking about political reform, it's something that's been spoken about in this country a lot over the last 10 years, but for decades. Mm. But we don't really see it. Even the likes of when the, the Shannon was proposed to be abolished and it was the people themselves chose to keep it on the basis that we would, re- we would reform it. But we've seen essentially no reform there and political reform is an enormous process and I don't see it happening on a large scale in this country perhaps until we see unification and there, therein lies a whole other conversation I, I'm just thinking back to yesterday though by comparison with some conversations on on the show over the years I mean that was fa- fairly mild and what, what Davy Dunn said about you know the similarity between Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil, an awful lot of people would believe that, that the parties are almost merged at this point. Yeah, it's an easy it's an easy point for Sinn Féin to make at the moment, and they are good at making it, to be fair. Um, but at the end of the day, Ireland has been based on coalition government since the 1970s. And of course, when you go into coalition, you no party can get absolutely everything they want. That just doesn't make sense. If that's not going to happen. If there's some stage in the future, a coalition with Sinn Féin, they're not going to get everything they want either. That's just the reality of being in coalition. Mm. And then it is always a challenge for a party. How do we get our policies in there? How do we get the public to see that our policies are being enacted? Well, well, the the big thing, I suppose, now, Ryan, is how do you get the public to see a difference between the ideology of Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that, that is a criticism of this government that a lot of people have thrown out there, there's no doubt about it. Um, from my point of view, I think we've seen it particularly during COVID 
with the budgets that were introduced that were very much stimulus-based budgets as opposed to austerity-based, where the idea was put as much money into the economy as possible to keep things afloat. And the same with the cost-of-living budget that was just passed, the €11 billion Euro that was primarily aimed at people um, on social welfare or people who were struggling most, pensioners, with the cost-of-living crisis. And I think a huge part of that was the influence of Minister Michael McGrath government. Yeah, well, I mean, we don't want to be going way back, but I mean, we could, if you want to talk about austerity, we could cause, we could talk about the cause of austerity, and certainly a lot of the blame would be laid at the door of Fianna Fáil, I suppose, Ryan. But that's that's uh, uh, again another conversation still. Yeah, and that was even a European-wide ideology, kind of in the 2007-2008 time, where a lot of governments and in the US as well took the austerity approach, and I think it was proven not to be the approach today. Well, that's for sure, but uh, not every country bailed out the banks, as we see even from the newspapers today in the same way that we did. And look at what it cost us, 40-something billion, was it, that it cost us all and all? Um, yeah. As, and a, as a young guy and a bright fella uh, in politics, Ryan, do you, do you really tell me that we might be able to change the style of how we do our business? Yeah, I don't think it's even, and I know there's a sense of a certain naivety saying this, but if people are getting involved in politics, they have to be doing it for the right reasons. Mm. And if you go into politics and say, I want to change something, then you should be able to stand up and say, this is why I want to do with it. It, It's not as simple as saying, oh, it's always been this way, therefore you have to work with the system that's in place. You have to say, well, does the system suit the people that's currently in place? And I don't think that the most constructive form of politics is the one we see in this country at the moment with, as I said yesterday, this tit-for-tat, the general expected debate that be where one side is going to throw muck at the other, but at the end of the day, there's going to be no consensus, no policy agreed, and they're just going to keep fighting over the airwaves and on social media. Councillor Michael Murphy was on to us, Ryan, and he says uh, to suggest it was muck yesterday, with beggars belief, it was no more than banter, and to suggest otherwise is simply wrong. Did anybody else come to that conclusion yesterday? At no stage did we shout at each other, for example. No, no, and that's why I even said that their debate yesterday about the race was a very, very good debate. It was mm. very informative, and they both gave really good points, and I enjoyed that. But it's the way politics in general in Ireland always descends into that in some way or another. And that was only one example of it. It wasn't the worst example. I'm not saying it was at all. But it always descends into it. And we get nothing out of it at the end. Mm. I'm just wondering, though, how frustration will... How will you deal with the frustration of this as time goes by? Because I'm, you know, I'm guessing you needn't tell people here, but I'm guessing you're an ambitious fella, for example, Ryan. You know, this is what you're going to have to deal with. Oh, absolutely, yeah, but I think it's the, the character of the person and how you approach people who are both within your own party and within, in others and say, OK, we have this area that we agree on and we work together and achieve something in this. And it's rare you see that, particularly in the likes of the doll, where two parties can reach across the aisle and say, let's work together on this issue. And when they do, it's in coalition government and immediately the opposition start attacking them and saying, oh, you're essentially the same party. But... The people, I think, recognise more and more that we're going to have coalitions in the country for a long, long time to come. Mm. And that form of consensus has to be something that we work towards. And it is the mentality and the practice and the acceptance of politicians, either now or into the future, on how they approach their dealings in politics that will determine a lot of that. Well, that's kind of interesting because I wonder, I mean, you talk about the inevitability of of coalition, but, I mean, does Micheál Martin realise that when he's sniping at Sinn Féin all of the time, um, that inevitably, for a lot of us, we think that 
you could end up in bed with each other. I don't know, like that, I guess that will be after the next election before people will be able to say that. And that's something that kind of frustrates me about politics as well, is, oh, what will the next government be? What will the next government be? The people will decide what the next parliament is. And before that, it's just speculation. Mm-hmm. And then after that, the parliament will come together and form a majority for government. Again, that's the Westminster yeah. style. But, but there's a thing now that frustrates the life out of ordinary people, Ryan, is that you can have all this argy-bargy going on for years and years. And then all of a sudden, because it sort of works out for people, they, they, and they do their sums and they go into bed with whoever, and it's all grand then after that. Do you know, like, it, there's a cynicism to it. Yeah, but then again, you're back to uh, the coalition form of government in this country and, and in a, a lot of other countries. Um, it's funny that we have coalition. We don't really have majority governments anymore. We haven't since the 70s. We're, but our parliament is still focused as if there is a majority. Whereas in Europe, it's accepted that we have consensus models and that will always be based on coalition. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you speak about your frustration. One of our listeners... Um, making a very interesting point, and I love your view on this because I know this annoys the hell out of people as well, which is politicians coming out with press releases and on this programme and on our news and on the Nationals and the Star and all, claiming jurisdiction over monies that have been given to this and given to that. And then another politician of a different party coming out and saying, no, that was me and I organised all. That really wrecks people's heads. Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah. Yeah, do, and I- do, do you not get involved in that yourself, Ryan? I don't think I've ever claimed any money. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, in terms of you, you know, working with Jackie and the like, I mean, you know, and I'm not pointing at Jackie where this is concerned. I'm just saying in general, um, that's another thing that wrecks people's head. Yeah, I think what people at the end of the day want to see is delivery for their area. It's as simple as that. They do, but me. everybody is claiming jurisdiction. Oh, no, that was me. I, I, I was in touch with the minister on that and... Yeah, there is a certain there is a certain side to politics as well where politicians have to show the work they're doing because a lot of the time if you don't show it, people don't realise it's being done. Mm. And it is, I suppose there is a balance to try and be struck there. I don't say I have that balance. I haven't ever personally claimed money going to X, Y or Z places. Um, I, I don't think anybody would necessarily believe me if I was doing that. Um, I think for me it's more important that when you get into politics, you can point to a track record and say... I've done this or I'm standing for this and trying to change this particular area. Like, for example, Fran, we would, I've often spoken about mental health with you and even my own yes, dealing did, struggles with mental health and yeah. it's something I'm passionate about. I can't say it's an area I've made massive inroads in and changed big policies, but, like, I've done my bit in my community to try and help. I try to highlight these issues. I try to help people through them. And that's something that I care about and do. In doing that in a public arena, I'm not claiming I've done X, Y, or Z, or I'm not looking for credit by doing it. And I think that's what politicians particularly need to focus on, is their delivery and is it making an actual change in people's lives. Interesting. At this point, can you talk to me about your plans, Ryan? Can you tell me about your your ambitions for the future? Um, yeah, I, I obviously am very interested in politics. Um, the... Nina Fall nominations are open at the moment for the Nina local election and um, I'm putting my name forward there anyway. So as you know, I have been the local area rep for mm-hmm. Nina Fall in the Nina Bursacane Lower Ormond area um, for the last year or so. Um, we don't have a councillor in the area um, and essentially there's an awful lot of local work 
that I think needs to be done and I'm putting my name forward for that. All right. Well, we wish you the very best of luck, Ryan, and uh, great to talk to you today. Thank you for your time. Thank Thank you. Good morning to you. That's uh, Ryan O'Mara there, putting his name in the hat for the next uh, local elections on behalf of Fianna Fáil. And, of course, he is Fianna Fáil local rep there in North uh, Tipperary. 1800-938-007. The text and WhatsApp is 083-311-3311. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecan Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer Slattery's Garage Pecan the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County slatterysgarage.ie Listen around to say, excellent debate yesterday by both Councillors Murphy and Dunn. No mudslinging at all, Fran. Uh, Michael Murphy is one of the most articulate, well-informed councillors in Tipperary, it says here. Uh, somebody else saying, Fran, why didn't you ask uh, Davy about the Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Dowdle case? Uh, Sinn Féin treated differently to Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil every time, but it's a great show. Thank you for that. Um, the whole Dowdle uh, case is... Uh, uh, in a court case as we speak so we can't uh, comment on that or debate about that I suppose uh, without giving ourselves difficulty. Um, Deputy Martin Brown was on to say things won't change at national level Fran when they won't work at local level to improve things in our own county. Three times over the last few years we were asked for, we asked for all to work together for the betterment of Tipperary and haven't even gotten a response from some. Um, lots more coming into us on this. Um, Ryan talks about tit for tat. Fianna Fáil uh, throw plenty of insults on social media and through their press releases daily. Um, final one for now. The people decided at the last election that they wanted change. Fianna Fáil propped up Fianna Gael to keep Sinn Féin out, even though Michal Martin had promised Fianna Fáil would not go into coalition with Fianna Gael during the election campaign. 1800 Now yesterday we spoke to Eileen Lim June, who was a coloplast uh, nurse and Paddy Pike, a Clonmel resident living with a stoma. A few listeners were in touch uh, to share their stories and Trish joins me now. Trish, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well, Trish, and we really appreciate you coming on uh, to talk to me about this today. You, you've had a stoma for seven years, Trish. Yes, I have, Fran, and it's something that I don't normally uh, speak publicly about, but um, I felt after listening to your show yesterday that uh, it would be nice maybe to share it from a woman's point of view. Absolutely, and I really appreciate it, Trish, because I know it can't be easy to talk about, but will you tell me just uh, from the beginning, how did you end up with a stoma? Uh, Ten years ago, Fran, I was diagnosed with cancer. I went through chemotherapy, bowel cancer, chemotherapy, radiation. After that, I had investigation under anaesthetic every two months um, in um, almost reassured that the cancer, there was a percentage of a chance that it wouldn't come back. Um, unfortunately, on the 10th of October, I got a phone call. The morning my mother died, actually, to tell me that I had to go straight into Barrington's hospital, where I was told, just looked at me through my file on his desk and said, Trish, I'm sorry to say it's back. Um, I asked what the options were. He told me that a long surgery, which lasted actually 10 hours, to keep the damn thing away. And uh, it was a choice, I suppose, of life or death at the time. 
um, I had wonderful support from my two sons, David and Michael. We'll never forget that. But um, I went ahead with it. I don't know where I got the strength. Um, I had no option. It was, as I said already, life or death. So I did go ahead and I'm glad I did. As to say that seven years down the road, I'm alive and I'm well. And I'm delighted to to, to hear <coughs> that. Um, the can- Getting news about the cancer being back, I mean, that must have been devastating for you, was it? Uh, it was because um, I'm a beauty therapist by trade, so um was actually before I gave up my business due to illness. And obviously body image was a big thing. Yes. Um, I found it quite an, inv- an invasion on my persona, as I said on text yesterday, because even to go shopping, you know, you're, you're looking at a garment and you say, how is this going to suit the bag? If the bag fails when you're at an event, which I avoided several of them for maybe two years after getting the colostomy bag. Um, I remember being shopping for a wedding two years after with a cousin of mine. We went into a shop and I picked up a lovely dress and it was a straight dress. And she'd be quite direct and she just looked at she and she said, for God's sake, Trish, you have a colostomy bag. How are you going to wear something like that? So the confidence was at a, a big time low, you know. Yeah, and we heard from Paddy yesterday from a man's point of view, but I, even more difficult from a woman's point of view, I would imagine. It is, and I'm not making um, us women more important. No, I know. But it I definitely know. is, because we're we're makeup conscious, we're body conscious, we're style conscious. Um, you know, even I remember one of the nicest things one of my sons, David, said to me was he was on a holiday one time, a son holiday, it's a couple of years back, and he knew I was quite upset about this colostomy bag. And he said, Mum, I had to ring you. He said, we were walking the beach this morning and coming towards us was, was a girl in a bikini. And obviously had a colostomy bag and she was wearing it with pride. You know, she was glad to be alive. Isn't she didn't fantastic? care that she was proud to have it. And things have changed since I got mine, Fran. Um, yeah. When I got mine, they were transparent. Um, you could see through them. Uh, but now there are new uh, colostomy bags out that come in different colours. And they're quite easy to get. And they're also available on the medical card for anybody that's out there that is sick of looking at that transparent bag. They come in black and they come in a kind of a nude colour. And and I think you can buy patterned ones online, but I haven't gone down that route yet. <laughs> I, I, I believe that it has changed in terms of the technology of it over the years as well. Have you found that, uh, Trish, that it, it's easier now to deal with the bag? Oh, it's much easier. It, it took yeah. me a while, uh, but much, much easier. At the beginning, I was very conscious of what I ate, knowing that, you know, I'm, obviously things that would uh, make you uh, your bowel move quicker, yes. as in orange yeah. juice and stuff like that, rhubarb, beans. So I now know, I now know what is good for me to eat and what, what not to eat, you know, but... It's just great to be alive, Fran. Um, I had a wonderful surgeon, Owen Condon, in Limerick, uh, Professor Gupta in the regional, my oncologist, and Professor Madden, my uh, radiologist. Uh, to both of those three gentlemen, I'll be forever grateful, and obviously the nurses. And my own GP, who offered me great support from time to time, because I got quite down after it. Did you? Yeah. I did, I did. But I suppose, Fran, at the end of the day, it's only a colostomy bag. It's an aid. And I remember my surgeon asked me one time how I was coping with it. Mm. And I told him, terrible, because I'm very straight, Fran. Yeah. Yeah. And he said to me, but Trish, he said, if you couldn't see properly, what would you wear? And I said, well, obviously a pair of glasses. So he said, what you have is an aid, which it basically is. It's it's an aid for me to, to live. Uh, without it, I wouldn't be able. And... Um, I've, I've really 
gained a huge acceptance of the fact that I have this colostomy bag. Um, I felt like a freak. I don't anymore. It, it's part of me. It's you my felt like a, f- like a freak, Trish. I did, actually, did yeah. You? I did, yeah. Oh, God. You know, and even we laugh now in the pharmacy. I go in and um, I, I just say to them, I'm here to collect my luggage, as in my bags. And <laughs> they actually get a bit of a laugh out of that yeah. too. And they're very kind to me, I must say. Was it the, the hygiene aspect of it? Was that the big thing for you, Trish? Uh, I suppose the fear, without being vulgar, friend, that the bag would burst yes, of course. when you were out on a social occasion or even just in town or even in the grocery shop. Um, obviously, uh, with a colostomy bag, you don't feel the urge of a bowel mo- movement. It just happens. Right. And uh, so you have no control over it, really. You know, so I went through a phase of where if I had to go somewhere, I didn't eat just in case, which was a very stupid mistake of mine. I'd advise anybody that is in the position I'm in, you know, to continue eating the right foods and, and be picky about what they eat. You know, it's, it's not the end of the world. It's, you know, it's, it's just a new way of life. You, you were kind enough to say to us yesterday, so great to hear talk on stoma. Why isn't there more conversation about it, do you think, Trish? I suppose it's, it's a very personal thing, Fran. Mm. You know, yeah. um, I know breast cancer is dreadful where somebody loses a breast. God, God bless them. Yeah. Um, but I suppose bowel movement is a kind of a, a thing we don't, yeah. you know, we, yeah. we don't talk about every day. And it's not something you broadcast and you go around saying, oh, hi. Hello, my name is Trish. I have a colostomy bag. You know, sure. it's, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and still, I think if you don't talk about it, it's sort of shoved away, and you 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 feel embarrassed about it, which which you shouldn't do because, as you say, this is a life saving device for you. It is a life saving device, and I'm and Fran, you're correct and right there, and I must emphasize that it is a life saving device, but mm. it takes a little bit of time to come to the realization of, of that. Of course. You know? Is yeah. there is there any chance of reversal for you in a, in any way, Trish? None whatsoever. None whatsoever. Um, my severe, my operation was quite severe where I had my rectum removed as well and uh, I had two muscles taken out of my stomach to make a, a flap. So I have this for life. Uh, it'll be going to the grave with me, my little pal. So I won't be on my own, friend. <laughs> um Obviously, no, not a reversal, but I'm, I'm quite used to it now and yes. quite content about it. And I dress accordingly and um, and I'm not ashamed of it or embarrassed of it well, anymore. Why should you be ashamed of it at, at, at all? But as you say, I, th- I think I, sometimes I'm careful about talking about certain things for fear of embarrassing people. But then some things need to be spoken about, you know? Yes, yeah, and, and that's why Fran and so when I heard the early start of the show yesterday morning that you were bringing up about stoma, yes, um, I said, God, this is fantastic because it's something that I had never heard spoken about in the last seven years. Yes, and I'm sure there are many other listeners out there who have stoma, and uh, obviously would have loved listening to that program. And I'm hope I'm hoping that I'm giving them some hope this morning. At seven years down the road, I'm still alive. I'm still well, and um, just give them that bit of confidence and and not to be afraid of it, you know, to go ahead. Absolutely. Do you you go back for checkups? I guess uh, every so I often, do. Trish. Do you? I do. I do. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so far, so good. Right. Very yeah, good indeed. Yeah. And and would you mind my asking, are you conscious of that all the time or is it just coming up to the checkup, sir? Uh not really conscious of it because in the earlier stages before the bag I was having the investigation under anesthetic every two to three months, which is quite daunting. So you were living from 
one to 12 weeks wondering is it back, is it gone, is it here or is it there? But um, no, I'm, I actually look forward to them because it gives me that, that sense of yes, you know, I've turned another corner and uh, my surgeon even said the um, my operation was such a success. They actually furnished my uh, report to the Royal College of Surgeons anonymously, obviously, mm. so that people could learn from, you know, people studying medicine could learn from this. Isn't that fantastic? It's fantastic, yeah. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Well, Trish, we wish you the very best and it was so kind of you to talk to us so openly uh, today. So Thank you. Hope I helped somebody, Fran. I'm sure you did, Trish. And a happy Christmas to you and your family, and Trish. happy returns to you and all there at TIPFM. Thank you. Bye-bye to you Bye. now, Trish. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Fran. Bye-bye. 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 Now. That's uh, Trish speaking to us there about her experience with stoma, having had one for the last uh, seven years. 1800 938 007. The text and WhatsApp, uh, 083-311-3311. Do you know, sometimes I, I wonder about listeners, um, certain listeners. I mean, what one person on to say, what, what do you hear this? Like, It says Jesus, which is a great start. Jesus, 9.30 a.m. and you're discussing stoma. Give us a break. It was bad enough with your COVID obsession. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? You have... A lady like Trish, willing to come on to help out others to discuss her her issues and to, to give us her, share her experience with stoma. And you have somebody saying, ah, it's half past nine in the morning. You know, unbelievable. Let me take a break while I gather myself. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Noel was on to say two words for Trish, amazing woman. Another listener says, we're not very good at talking about things like stoma. That lady expressed herself so well. Long may she be healthy. Another listener wants to say, there are a lot of insensitive listeners out there. Their mantra should be there, but for the grace of God, uh, go I. I wouldn't say a lot. I mean, you know, 99.9% of the listeners who are good enough to interact with the show are fantastic. And we have a bit of argy-bargy from time to time, but it's great to have different opinions. But it's just when you have something that's on. Anyway, uh, somebody else saying, um, fair play to that woman, Trish, uh, talking on air. I have a stoma and I can't talk about it and I try to hide it all of the time. 83 Sarah joins me now. Sarah, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. And good to talk to you today. You have some comments to make on illness benefit uh, recipients. I, I gather you're one yourself, Sarah, are you? I am, yes, I so, am. So tell me about your issue then. Um, so basically, I've... I was out of work for over, well, almost a year up until April of this year um, on illness benefit and had to give in my notice and give up work because I was I just wasn't able to work because of health problems. Okay. So I remained on illness benefit. So I've been on that now for probably 18 months or so. Mm-hmm. Um, you can be on it for up to two years at which time I think you have to change to another benefit or return to work or whatever happens after the two years. Yes. But illness benefit is considered a short-term um, scheme. So your issue is that you were excluded from the extra benefits that uh, other uh, welfare recipients got, is that, is that? Yeah, like all the health that's gone out with fuel allowance and extra payments to help with the cost of living. Illness people in 
receipt of illness benefit are one of the only people on social welfare or in households who aren't entitled to any of the support that has been given out to the government. So you didn't and get I, a double payment, for example? No, didn't yeah. get anything. I was even told that maybe I might be entitled to the fuel allowance by the, an office of one of the local councillors. And hmm. well, I that's, went that's means tested, it. is it? Um, yeah, yeah, supposedly. Mm. But yeah. I went to the local welfare office with my application and they wouldn't even open the envelope that the form I put in. They said, no way, you're, you won't be entitled to anything as long as you're on illness benefit. My so God. You're and out of work because you can't, because you're unwell, you're sick, so you can't work. But yet you're not entitled, you're being discriminated against almost because you're told that you're not entitled to any of the support. And I don't believe using it, the excuse of it being a short-term scheme is valid because, as I said, you can be on it for up to two years. I wouldn't consider that short-term. Right, and I presume you might uh, transfer on then to, like, disability benefit or something like that. Is validity that, is or, that invalidity or invalidity, or yes. return to work, or I don't I don't know what will happen once the two years are up myself. Right. I'll, I'll be looking into all of that, but and like, with, it's been with a the, very tough few months. I was just going to ask you about that, Sarah. I mean, you know, with the huge increase in, in uh, the cost of living, energy, all of that sort of thing. How how difficult is it for you? Extremely. Very, very difficult. I've, like you're living on 208 euro a week. Right. And like it's not, there's no way it's meeting the cost of inflation and the price of everything that have gone up. I've, I've come down to at the end of the week having to choose nearly so, between either buying groceries or putting petrol in the car and I rely on the car for other reasons. So... So you have to look at the amount of food you buy, is that? Yeah, very much so. And really be conscious of where I'm shopping and what I'm getting and only buying the necessities. And even at that, I'll still come up short at the end of the week a lot of the time. Does that affect your illness as well? Is that making it you does, anxious? Yeah, absolutely, because although I've had physical health problems, I have suffered with my mental health. And when you're there at the end of the week thinking, you know, like I've worked since I left school. I've worked while I was in school as a teenager, but from the age of 18 when I left school, I've worked up until recently, and I'm 40 years of age now. Through no fault of my own, I don't want to be on social welfare. I don't enjoy being unwell, but there's nothing I could do about it. But for the, you know, it has a knock-on effect then because it really hits your mental health when you feel like you just feel so let down and so struggling d- to make ends meet. It's a double whammy there for you. Absolutely, I, I, yeah. I would imagine, yeah. yeah. Um, what is the prognosis for your illness, Sarah? Um, it's going to be long-term. Um, a couple of the health problems I have are things that probably aren't going to go away. I'm just going to have to be treated for them. Right, so this is long-term for you. Um, yeah. So I presume this will be another fight then when you get to the end of the two years in terms of yeah. what other benefits are there for you. Yeah. I don't know, I don't, like, that's something I'm going to have to go and discuss with, I don't know, I presume it'll be the local social welfare offices and I'm sure it's high my GP as well, but I just think for it to be something that you can be on for up to two years, it's very unfair to kind of exclude people on in this benefit from any of the options that are going out because you're, you're on the same kind of payment that job seekers allowance, people on just their general... Um, Social welfare, I don't know the names of all the benefits, right. but, um, you know, some of them are probably the same amount, maybe some are probably a little bit more depending on the benefit, but... Right, but the double payment certainly didn't uh, happen for you. Have you have you family no. uh, as well, Sarah? Uh, no, I live yeah. on my own. Okay. And yeah. coming up to Christmas time now as well, of course? 
Yeah, very hard. And if, like I said, that nearly affects me as well because I nearly feel bad because I don't have the money now this year to be able to buy my family gifts. And I know it's not all about that, but like my family are very good to me. My mother in particular is very supportive. I'd like to be able to kind of, you know, get her something nice. You know, those things just aren't an option. Let's put it out there because some of our public representatives tend to to, to listen to us, Sarah. So we yeah. will see if they could get back to us. If there's anything that they think they could do to help you out in some way, um, yeah. would that be okay, Sarah? If we just put yeah, it out there, and we'll, we'll we'll see what happens yeah. where that is concerned. Sarah, we wish you the best, and I hope the illness uh, works out for you. But uh, it, as you say, it seems to be long term at the moment. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, you you take care of yourself, Sarah. Thank okay, you. Thanks, thank friend. you for talking thank to me you. today. Thank you. Bye bye to you now. That's uh, Sarah speaking to us uh, there. Um, how do you feel about that? Somebody on illness benefit, not benefiting from double payments and uh, the like. Uh, Bonnie was in touch uh, with concerns regarding traffic and pedestrian uh, crossings in Killinall, and she joins me now. Bonnie, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. And thank you indeed for coming on with us today. Not at all. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Will you you share with us your issues with um, Killinall? Well, Killinall is a lovely town Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, uh, I suppose the community are trying to do their best with everything, but it, after many years and concerns uh, with uh, traffic going through the town at uh, speeds that are not um, appropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've asked several times for calming and we've asked for pedestrian crossings, but to no avail. And there's none now, at Fran- all in, in Killinall, is that, we is have that right, nothing. Bonnie? We've nothing at all in Killinall. We've oh. no pedestrian crossing. We've no calming coming in from any of the Ballangari side from the Thurlow side or from, we'll say, the Feather side. And that's a busy street there, isn't it? The it's an there? extremely yeah. busy street, Fran, because you have the, all the traffic coming from Clonmel, Feathered, through the town and then going on to Thurlow, etc., and on out into the main road. And likewise, they, you know, they turn for Kilkenny. Now, um, we don't know what's wrong or why they haven't given us this. It has been promised... Uh, our councillors tell us that they have put our uh, request forward, but to no avail. Now, it is a huge concern for everybody. The people from the country are complaining, but we in the town are complaining most because we live in the town. We know what's going on in the town. And isn't the school on the edge of the town there as you come the in? The school is on the edge of the town. They have some little bit of a crossing there down uh, near the garage and box, but that's it. Nothing, nothing at all. And like we have a lot of, we have the post office in town, which is right on, if you know, you know, St. Our church in Killinall, friend. Of course course I do, yes. Mm -hmm. Beautiful church. Mm. And uh, we have the credit union there. We have the post office there. And you have, you know, uh, from Wednesday on, there are different social welfare payments, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. So it's busy, uh, is what you mean, Bonnie, isn't it? It's extremely busy. And more often than not, if I'm coming down the town, I would have to put older people. I'm 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 an older person myself, but thank God I'm I, I'm pretty mobile. But you know, you see them struggling, and they're looking up and they're looking down, and they can't cross the road. So they're depending on courtesy from drivers like yourself. Absolutely, yeah. Frank. That, yeah. uh, that's that's a courtesy. Now, which 
some people will stop for you when they know you. Mm. But if they don't know you, they just you could be standing there at the hard, uh, our hardware store mm. waiting to cross the road and nobody would ever, ever... You could, it could be spilling rain out of the heavens. No one will stop, un, uh, unless, as I said, they know you. Yeah, I, I, what about this traffic calming in villages and, uh, you know, there's, there's traffic lights in villages and so on. I can't understand why a town the size of Kilinol wouldn't be looked after like this. Well, I'm just wondering. Now, I, this is my own personal opinion, and it has been said to me by a family member who was home recently on holidays from France. Yeah. And she said, is there any reason, is there something stopping uh, the council or whoever is in charge of this from putting the calming and the pedestrian crossings in the street. And there must be a reason, because they're in Balanante. They got a, in, in Balanante, you know Balanante I do, as well. Of course, yes. They have, uh, they have um, a calming uh, crossing mm-hmm. there. Yeah. They have it in Ballingarry, they have it in Littleton, they have it, they have it in Feather, they have it in Mulnoan, they have it in every town that you travel mm. around the country, they're there. But not So I, I, I would like our councillors to listen, if they're listening this morning, or the people in the council, to simply explain why so far they haven't done it in Killinall. And why do you think that is the case? I don't know, Fran. We right. all, we, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just speaking for myself now. I'm not speaking for anybody else. Mm. I don't know why we can't have it in Killinall. Like in the summertime there, or in the springtime when they're doing silage, I see young lads on tractors with loads of silage going down, going down uh, River Street. And you would think that they were uh, on a runway in, uh, in, the, on, in the airport. Speeding. Speeding. And you have a lot of people like coming for their children at three and four o'clock in the afternoon. Now, the guards, I was speaking to one of the guards there lately, and he said that he's trying to do his best in the morning, you know, try, trying to give, uh, well, for speeding, um, mm. speeding fines, etc. Mm. But they can't be around all the time, you know? Of course, whereas the calming measures would, would alleviate some of that, at least. It would. Yes. It would alleviate. It would stop them, like, you know, it would stop them from from uh, speeding into the town, at least with the calming. Like in Feather there at Kenny's, you you go go around the corner and there's a, there's a ramp there and you have to stop. Mm. On the bridge, yes. uh, there, there's, and you have to stop. So you can't really tear through the town most of the time. You mm. will always have people, of course, who will try and do that, mm. but... Uh, I think that's about the sum total of it. Uh, um. Yeah, because as you say, it's a beautiful town. I mean, you're very lucky to have the facilities that you mentioned there. It's Extremely great to have those lucky. facilities Extremely lucky town. with the credit union, thank yeah. God. We have, uh, Your post we have a hardware shop. We have a couple of electrical shops. We have a magnificent butcher's uh, yeah. great uh, pubs. there, John Dwyer. And yeah. um, we, we, have mo- we have even a bookie's office, but you're there in every town. <laughs> but... <laughs> yes. Yeah, you have to have and, that too. Yeah, and uh, like we have everything, we have a dog grooming service in town. Yeah, yeah. So you have everything we, that you need there, except that traffic is moving too fast. Yeah, it, the traffic is moving too fast. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, I, ha- I, I feel sorry for the children coming from school as well because they've the crisscross, you know, uh, the road. Right. But, well, um, let's, let's be cynical about it, Bonnie. There's a lot of votes in Killinall. So what uh, what, what have you to say to local reps now? What have you to say uh, to them? All I have to say to local reps, 
if they can't produce the goodies for us in town, well, I, I don't know. Mm. I, I, I'm a person who doesn't have any commitment to any particular party. Okay, okay. Uh, I never had in my life. But um, I think they have to produce something now for us. And the government, I mean, well, it's the local councillors, I think, isn't it, who, yeah. who do all this work. Mm-hmm. Now, I think I heard uh, uh, on your show, and correct me if I'm wrong, that somebody came on the radio and said to you that they didn't have money in the council to pay for uh, all these facilities in Killinall. Well, nobody said that specifically to me about Killinall, but there's always an issue with, with resources, I suppose, Bonnie, you know. But, yeah. I mean, a town that size... Uh, with that kind of traffic flow, you, you need this to happen. I mean, there's no excuse for this. Absolutely no excuse at all, Fran, no. And, and that's all I can do today. I can just uh, make an issue out of it. And, like, it's a community thing, you know. Uh, yeah. It, it, it it's, uh, involves the whole community, not just the people in town. Like, all the community, they use the church. I mean... You, you, you'd really take your life in your hands coming out of a mass there uh, on a Saturday night. Well, you've you've uh, put it out there very eloquently indeed, Bonnie. Let's see what we get in from, from, from that, and I'm sure we'll be getting back to you again. Look after yourself, Bonnie. Thank you. Thanks a million, Thank Fran. It's lovely to talk to you, and, and always you enjoy your show. Uh, thanks, Bonnie. Thank you, and uh, happy yeah. Christmas to you as well. News is on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on. On 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Thanks very much indeed, Pat, and uh, welcome back to the second hour of uh, Tip Today. Now, lots in uh, following my conversation there uh, about the uh, situation in Killinall. And uh, a lot of people talking about some other areas as well. That was Bonnie who spoke to me about that. I will get back to that in just a little while. If you want to register to play Match 3, 083 311 And, of course, you can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Rank-and-file Gardaí believe they should remain unarmed. However, the Garda Representative Association think more non-lethal force methods should be considered, such as tasers. Follows remarks from the tarnished to Leo Radkar at the weekend, where he said he would fully back an armed police force. Now, joining me now is GRA Rep for Tipperary, Richie Kennedy. Richie, good morning to you. Morning, Frank. Good to talk to you today, Richie. It's a discussion, I suppose, that gets ignited every few months. Uh, were you surprised by the Tonish's comment? Yes, friend. I suppose uh, after I saw it in the members in Dublin last week, yeah. which we all saw, we all saw the footage of, and it was frightening for everyone to see. But it's, I don't believe it's government policy to our members, and it was a kind of it came, it came a bit out of the blue. I suppose it was a hypothetical that was asked at the Tonish, but at the same time. It's not a policy that the GRA would have that we would look to, look for members on the ground to be asked. Yes, he said if the commissioner was pro it, that he would go along with it. I suppose that's generally what he said. 
Yeah, that, that's it, Fran. Yeah, it was put to him that, that if the Garda Commissioner looked for arm, members of the Army, would he support it? And he, and he said he would, mm. which was surprising to say, to say the least. What, what about your members? Are you completely against this, Richie? It, Fran, this has been the view of the Garda Representatives Association for a long, long time. Mm. Um, we don't want to see members on the ground armed. We would, but there's lots of other resources that we prefer to see members get in the meantime. An expansion of the current armed support units as we have as it stands with the ASU units at the moment around the country. Yes. But a further expansion of them would, would be welcomed by the GRA. But the arming of, of our everyday members that you see on your on the beat and patrol cars in your towns and villages, no, we wouldn't support that. And, you know, ordinary people like myself, when we look at what happened to your colleagues in Ballyfermot, and indeed colleagues of yours murdered as well over the, over the years, I mean, I, I'm aghast at how you and your colleagues will walk into situations that you could be confronted by armed people. Is that not worth considering, Richie? The armed support units do a very good job, Pan, but as, as it is at the moment, there's only 20% of members around the country are trained in the use of firearms. In mm. reality, that figure should probably be closer to 30%. Right. There is spots where the armed support units are a bit longer getting to, but... Members are members are kind of used to this these kind of situations, but arm support, arm support, wider coverage of arm support units would be a greater resource than arming every member in the country. Right. What is it that you have against being armed? Is it when you look to the American situation that you know more guns begets more violence? I suppose. And I suppose, I suppose it's 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 hundred years this year since the Irish economy was set up. And our members have always policed by consent. And yes. I think army members wouldn't wouldn't keep that team going. And I think people prefer a, a community-based police force that aren't armed. And, and I don't think anyone in the country wants to see a situation develop where we do end up like the states or other jurisdictions where firearms are, are readily used and readily available to people. Um, the other aspects of, I mean, you know, personal protection and the like, the the tasers. What what's the latest on on that? Do, do you have access to tasers, Richie? Uh, no, Fran. Again, it's only armed support units have have the use of tasers. The GRA has has uh, widely put this out over a number of years from several GRA conferences that we would welcome the, a wider use of tasers for members. Within within your ordinary units that, that would have already access to tasers, maybe not the widespread use of, of tasers by every member, mm. but that there would be an access of tasers for situations where you may have someone with, with, with some kind of a weapon that would maybe a baton or, or the use of, of the pepper spray wouldn't be wouldn't be in a, a suitable method of protection. Right, but that's that's what you have at the moment. You have the baton, and you have pepper spray, and that's it. That's it, friend. Yeah, right. pepper spray and the baton. It look, and look, we, we campaigned long and hard for a change of views from the old wooden baton as it would be to the asp-type baton and, and for the pepper spray. And it took a long time to get to get us that far. But as, 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 we, as our president has said over the last few days in some of the interviews and some of the national media, we were welcome the, 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 the rollout of body cams. The legislation is there. It's ready to be brought through by the government, but it's still sitting yeah. on the back burner. I was going to ask you about the the body cams because why is that being held up? I mean, we're all hearing these discussions about law and order and what's needed and and, and still there's a hold-up of legislation that is in place for body cams. Yes, it's it's going on it's going on for a few years, friend. This is this has been this has been on hold a long time now. Like our our colleagues in the UK and Scotland and Wales, they all have the body cams for a number of years and they've found them extremely useful in terms of 
a deterrent for people. If you realize, if you know you're being filmed, you're not as inclined to 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 react with violence or with, with abuse towards members of the public or, or Gardaí. And it would help in court cases, but it's just uh, the government has kind of dragged their heels a bit on it. There's numbers of people, number three different pieces of legislation in the house at the moment waiting to be passed in relation to assaults on, on frontline workers as well, friend. But we're, we're still waiting. What about? I mean, whatever about the body cams. What about other people videoing Gardaí activity at the moment? It seems to be on Twitter all of the time, and it looks like that you know sometimes your work is impeded by having to ask people to to put away cameras and the like. Um, what what are the issues around that? It's something we've become used to now at this stage. Everyone has has a mobile phone now with with fairly good cameras on it. And it's become part of the course for members at this stage that they, they, they're being filmed routinely carrying out their, their duties, whether it be at public order instance, at checkpoints. But as we as we as we all know at this stage, once you leave your front door or leave the front door of the station, we you have to take it that you're being filmed at all times. So and that's and that's that's the way we approach it. Right. Um, I don't think any member really is at the right friend if if you're doing your job correctly and properly, no one minds being filmed. Right, but when it gets to like I don't know where there's an unfortunate traffic accident where people are hurt or stuff, and then you you, you see these videos appearing up on TikTok, and uh, I mean it's yes, you, you do. I often see a friend at accidents where I'm standing maybe directing traffic or taking the details from an accident where you have people slowing down their cars and and you'll see the passenger or someone holding their phone up filming it. Look. If people are into that kind of thing, that's up to themselves. But it's, as we all, the, the majority of people would realise it's in poor taste. But some people seem to think it's okay to do. Would you prefer the discussion to be around more prison places or mandatory sentencing for whatever gang membership, or or you know maybe looking at the free legal aid situation and that notion of the revolving door? Do you think the conversation would be better placed if it was around that, Richie? Definitely around mandatory sentencing for for assaults on frontline workers should be something that should be looked at then as a serious deterrent. It's it's and and even for like we we have we do see situations like where, where we all see it week in week out where people with numerous convictions get get uh, released or get out in bail and and it's 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 unfortunate that's the system we that's the system we have at the moment. It's the system we have to work with, but. Mandatory sentencing would be a, would be a massive step forward for members as, as a protection and as a deterrent. And that revolving door situation is that extremely frustrating? Now I know you're limited in what you can say, but I mean, is it very frustrating um, to see guys coming out pretty much immediately after you're putting them away in some way? Look, friends, it's not just frustrating for the parish economy; it's frustrating for members of the public as well. We all read the, the, the Nationalist and the Tip Star every week, where you see people. With, with with high levels of, of convictions, getting out getting out from custody or, or receiving lighter sentencing, friend. But that's the judges can only work with the legislation they have, friend. So it it is it is unfortunate at times when you see when you, when you do see this happen. But all we can do is keep plugging away with with what we have and and hope the government the government will, will bring the legislation in line that that does act as a serious deterrent. Some of these. I suppose habitual criminals that are, are regularly committing offences. And uh, just finally, Richie, if I can ask you about uh, the uh, the role of the Gardaí nowadays, it seems that it's a much more dangerous job um, and that, you know, lives are being put on the line when you're going out there now. Um, are you conscious of that all of the time? But it is, frankly, if you look at the assaults of violent attacks on Gardaí have almost doubled in the last decade. 
There's a 2,000, uh, rough, just over 2,500 serious assaults in Gardaí in the last 10 years. We have up to October this year, there was 196, so we're well over 200 serious assaults at this stage of members. And it is, it's, and resources, resourcing is a major issue, and we have a major problem with recruitment and retention at the moment. Mm. We've 20, 28 people in the college uh, for this time round. Yes, it would like, if you look at it, there's over 300 gone this year between retirements and resignations. So you have, yeah, it, is, it is a serious situation where, where we, have, we have a lack of numbers, friend. It is, it, is, it is a problem, especially in rural Ireland. It, I know in Dublin they're down 18% of members. Down the country, you only have to go around your local towns and villages in Tipperary. And you can see we are down, we are down, Gardy. We, uh, we do need more numbers. And that would be a major help to, if you have, have two, maybe two patrol cars out instead of one, it is, it, it is a comfort to members knowing they have the support nearby if they need it. Yes, and we, we see that from, you know, public meetings, people getting together and saying, we, we need to see uh, more Gardy. It needs to, to happen. But there seems to be no rush on it, which is frustrating, to say the very least. It is, it's frustrating for everyone. Friend. I suppose, it, it, and Gardy Con isn't as attractive a, attractive a, a job as it once was to, to young people these days. It's, there, is, there, is, there was changes to the, to the, to the pensions, there was changes. It changes to, to what, what how long members will have to work on. We have we have rosters hanging over hanging over members' heads at the moment. At the moment, there's lots of different contributing factors which are, are putting people off doing the job, and uh, it's unfortunate because it, it has been a good career for many many people in the country. Absolutely, but does danger play a part in that decision not to be part of the force as it, well? It has to find look, look people 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 see the headlines they see the stories in the papers it, it has to it has to enter people's heads it's do I want to put myself in a position for that amount of salary where where it could be badly assaulted where where unfortunately we have had we have had members lost their lives people aren't as willing maybe in in the current climate to do that which which is unfortunate for for Ireland that that we don't have the adequate numbers of guards to police police the country at this moment in time that's, that's a fair statement to, to listen to today. Um, Richie, we appreciate your time today. Thanks very much indeed for coming on with us. Thank you and good morning. No problem. To you. Bye-bye to you now. Bye-bye. That's the GRA rep for Tipperary, Richie Kennedy, speaking to us there. 1800, a very sobering conversation, I'm sure you'll agree. 1800 938 A listener was on to us to know, is there a stoma organisation in Tipperary? I'm not one that I'm aware of, but maybe you could uh, correct me uh, on that, but there certainly is a workshop happening. It's called Living and Thriving with Stoma, and it's taking place at uh, the South Court Hotel in Kilkenny on Saturday, December the 3rd, and uh, that's this coming Saturday. And for more information on that, uh, we have a number here if you want to scribble it down. It's a guy called Kevin Doolin is looking after it, and his number is 01919 So that's 01919 and Emma will have that uh, number if you didn't catch it. We'll take a break. Back in a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery's Garage.ie Tip Today 
with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back to Tip Today. Now, Tony is one of our regular uh, contributors to the show, but also a Nick's Garda, and he joins me now. Tony, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. And uh, thanks for your time this morning, Tony. We were particularly interested in your take on this, the notion of arming the force. How do you feel about that? It's one of those big questions, I suppose, very divisive and things like that. Um, I think if you want to arm a police force, you have to recruit from day one um, people that that would be very suitable and of a temperament for carrying arms full time, because we are basically an unarmed police force in this country, and I think we're very lucky to have that. Um, perhaps the screening of people who would who would be joining up um, would not be as as strict in certain senses uh, as those forces where they're required to carry a firearm. Do you mean a psychological uh, yes, test? Yes, is that yeah. yes? Yes. I mean yeah. I. Naturally, I'm not going to name anybody, but mm. certainly I would have had serious concerns with with one or two people that I worked with over the years had they been had access to firearms on duty. Wow, that's, yeah. that's a big statement, Tony. It, it is a big statement, but certainly um, some people can be can be very um, what's the word I'm looking for? I suppose. It might be very short-tempered or something, and, yeah. and despite all the training, I think you need to select people from day one who would have a temperament, and, and certainly I'm no expert in that field, but mm. certainly um, screening of people who, who who would carry or may carry a firearm, nobody wants to discharge a firearm, basically, uh, from, from, from the very point of view that if you are a, a, a police in any country and you fire, uh, you fire your firearm, you are going to be writing reports for an awful long time. Not to mind, that's just for discharging it. But if you happen to, to hit somebody or take an action, uh, no matter what action was, you are going to be, uh, have to stand over your actions. Yes, and uh, we've seen I, that over the years with the, with the armed um, a section of the force, indeed, didn't yes. we, uh, where, where that is concerned. Um, do you believe in the notion of the taser, though? I certainly do. Anything that can provide policing is to, to, to uh, safeguard the public, basically. Mm. And anything that helps a force to safeguard the public and themselves, because don't forget, if you're looking after the public, you can't look after the public if, you, if you're injured, if you're down. Yes. You have to be safe as well. In other words, that guard or that person has to be able to, to protect themselves from, from attack before they can protect anybody else. And it, it is absolutely fundamental that the training is there for people to protect themselves so that they can protect others. Right. And well, in, in a non-lethal fashion is what you mean when you speak about yes. protection then. Is that, is that it, Tony? That's it, exactly. I mean, for many, many years, the, the only protection a Gada had uh, in uniform was a baton, a timber baton. Yes. Now, they were replaced in latter years with what they called the ASP, which was an extendable baton. And there was extensive training in relation to that. And uh, then there was pepper spray. Mm. The representative bodies, uh, the Gada Representative Association, had been calling for, for um, non-lethal things for many, many years. And yeah. we, we, we had a situation where, where they were just not forthcoming. And uh, I mean, we, any time we saw that horrendous attack on, on members in Dublin only a couple of weeks ago, yeah. 
that uh, we have to provide protection. Some sections of, of the Garda at the moment have tasers. Uh, don't forget, it's much the same as a firearm. If that is discharged, there are going to be a, a horrendous amount of, of questions asked. So, so if, you, if you discharge a taser, then you'd still have all the paperwork, would you? You'd still have all the reports to do it. Now, I never received training in a taser because I wasn't one of the people carrying it. But certainly, even as far as using your baton or using um, the pepper spray, there was a report required immediately as to why it was done. So the, the person has to stand over their decision to use it. And, and this is, um, I mean, the, the ultimate thing would be using a firearm, which is lethal force, basically. And we know that. I mean, let's, be, let's be honest, what is a gun designed to do? Well, it's designed to kill, isn't it? Well, that, in, in simple terms, that is it. You know, we hear all these people, all the experts, all the barroom lawyers coming out, oh, why didn't they shoot him in the knees? A gun is not designed to shoot people in the knees. A gun is designed to stop. And that's it. And usually that means lethal force. Tony, what is it like to head into a situation that's volatile where you have just a baton and possibly some, some pepper spray as well? What? I mean, do you think about that or is the adrenaline flowing? Or how does that work? It's, it's not a nice situation. Naturally, you would try, in a lot of cases, um, you, you would try diplomacy first. But when push comes to shove, you have no choice but to defend yourself and your colleagues and the public as well. You, you have to get in there and do something. You cannot just allow yourself to be, to be um, trampled on and, and, and uh, left at the mercy of the baying hounds, as you might say. And situations can get very volatile. So you, you have to protect yourself and others. And your, your statutory obligation is to, to provide protection for the public. So if there is something there and if somebody has been attacked, you have to go in and intervene. And that may mean that you will get uh, injured. Unfortunately, this, is, this has become more and more prevalent. But you, you have to take action, and it's as simple as that. You are usually bound to do so. And are you of the opinion that if you were armed, that more guns beget more violence? I would be, yes. I'm not in favour of arming the police force in Ireland. Yes. No. I'm not in favour of it. Um, I think we're very lucky that we have basically an unarmed police force here. Compared to other countries, we're very lucky. Ourselves in the UK, I think, are probably, or the mainland uh, UK, England, Scotland, Wales, are, are lucky in that they are unarmed. We're very lucky in that sense. And I think it would be an awful shame uh, we've managed to basically keep law and order for 100 years without carrying guns. And I would hope that that would continue. Yes. I think it would be a, a bad day for everybody if, if we had to carry guns. Right. If the Guardian had to but carry guns. It's only in recent decades, though, we have gangland, and these guys are armed to the teeth with the highest quality automatic weapons, you know? Well, that, that is the other thing. But then again, uh, the, the, the side of that is that the ordinary um, policing of, of, of society, does it require firearms? I, I would suggest no, it doesn't, and, and I wouldn't like to see it. We have the specialist units. Yes, but are they be... adequate? Are there enough of them? Well, 
that is the burning question of the day. We'll hear all the Garda chiefs and management saying, yes, we're, we're, we're um, all tooled up and ready for action. And yes, we have the resources. And yet, the minute they retire, they'll come along, as I think happened fairly recently, and they said, no, we didn't have the resources. And this is, it, it, it's a sort of politicising things that, yes, everything is fine in the camp, but uh, because you're towing the party line to say so. What about the, the revolving door situation, Tony? I mean, is that very frustrating as a Garda, that you put away, fellas, maybe after a lot of work to, to have that happen, and then you see them back on the high street again within a few weeks or a few days or something like I, that? I'll I relate one particular tale. I remember uh, taking one guy to Limerick Prison on a warrant, and I lodged him there. And uh, I went for a cup of coffee and I came back and he was hitching a lift home and I gave him a lift back to, to Tipper again. Ah, stop, Tony. <laughs> ah, stop. No, that wasn't for criminal matters. It was only a warrant for non-payment of a fine. But that gives you the, ultra, the, you know, the other side of it. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. But, yeah, we have... Um, I suppose it's, it's basically down to, to money and we just don't have the capacity to... to uh, mm. there, there is free legal aid ad lib. Um, there, there's just no limit to how many times people can uh, be dealt with by the criminal justice system, and and that I suppose is inherent in the system that that is that itself raises the problem that you have what what are basically called career criminals, yeah. and that, that there is no we all know people within society that they've spent most of their lives in prison and will continue to do so, and. Um, I, I remember one, one man here in Limerick, uh, he looked to be put away for Christmas because he was homeless. And down in the courts, and he said to the judge, put me in, I'll have a good Christmas dinner. So we, we, there is a problem, yes, there is a problem there that, that, that apparently it, 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 for a lot of people it doesn't seem to be a deterrent. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. This, this discussion comes up Every so often, Tony, I'm sure from your point of view, you must have heard it hundreds of times over the years. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. As, as far as you're concerned, it will be a different kind of a force then requiring a different kind of a, a training and a different kind of a screening, I suppose, as well. I, I, would, I, I would imagine, as I said, I am no expert in, in, in that field, but certainly from my own perspective, I think you do need a certain type of person if they're going to be armed the whole time. You are carrying a lethal weapon with you at all times. And as we saw recently with the murder of the Garda there, uh, it was his own gun that was used. Yeah. So you're not only uh, wary of that, but you're wary of being attacked. And the, the weapon that you are carrying, you have to protect that from others who might use it against you, as well as use it for, for against other people. So there's a myriad of, of things to mind. Well, that's, that's a great perspective on it all. Tony, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on no, with me. Thank you. Good morning to you, Tony. Bye-bye to you now. Uh, Teresa joins me as well. Good morning to you, Teresa. Good morning, Trent. Uh, good to talk to you today, and thank you indeed for coming on with me. You disagree with Army of the Guardi, Teresa? Um, yeah, in certain cases. Um, I was just listening there to the two lads that mm. did make perfect um, examples, and I, in one sense I wouldn't agree with the gun issue, but I do definitely think they need uh, cameras and they do need to use tasers. For the very simple reason, um, they're the first on to any fight, any trouble they're the first unseen to go in with absolutely nothing to protect them and I mean that's hard it's, um, I, you c- I couldn't do that Teresa. I definitely couldn't do that but then again Fran, you know. either could I yeah 
Jenna Wendley, I was listening last night to the 6.30 news there, or sorry, the 5.30 news there, yes. on the two guardy that was hurt, and the way one guardy in particular says, I have to look at the scar for the rest of my life. Yeah. Now, to me, that's both going to be um, physical and mental to that person. After they going out, putting on a uniform, it could be your son, my daughter, whoever, to protect the human life that's out there. And to walk into a hostile situation and are putting their own lives at risk. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. I do think they do need cameras on them, and I will agree with that. And they do need to learn how to do the teasers. Now, 100 years ago, we hadn't what we have today in the world. We hadn't the crime. We had someone for a bicycle. You had someone texting insurance. They were only small things. Mm. But today, what they're faced with, and young you today, if you're going into the garden, you're looking, I'm going in, and I worked my life to protect these crimes and for the people associated with these crimes who get only a small minority sentence in the end. You know, you have to say to yourself, do you wonder, is that why the guard representation and that's why people ain't going into the guards? Because they haven't got the right... I suppose, tools to adequate themselves when yes. they're out on duty. I mean, the, the the personal cameras, for example, that legislation is there. Wouldn't you wonder why it's not just enacted? And, uh, you know, if if Gardaí themselves are calling out for this, let's let's give it to them, you know? I 100% agree. I mean, Fran, you and I, we either have security cameras on our house, we have dash cams in the, on our cars. Yeah. They're our protection. So why can't a Gardaí who's risking their life and who do it, damn good job in the hardest of times, I can tell you, deserve to have cameras on them. They deserve to have a little bit more recognition than what they're getting. And the same with the judicial system. When they take a person in, I mean, to me, when you see 25, 45 convictions ahead of a person and be out again, I think the law has to change to protect the people it has to be changed to protect the guardy who bring them up. It has to come in a different way to get the criminal really and truly responsible for what he's just and done. And how do you feel about the free legal aid that uh, you know that these guys can sort of use all time and time again, Teresa? I think. Listen, it's like this: if you use free, you give a chance once, but well, I wouldn't be giving it a second and third time. That sort of a way. That'd be my answer. It'd be like anything. You give a person once, you give them a chance. And if they come back after continual, after continual, I'd be saying no to free legal aid to that. Yeah. You, you know? It, and, and the punishment in general, do you think it's... I mean, you, you know, I see these people, you know, att- attacking families and, uh, you know, going around robbing houses and all of this. And it, it's like as if they pay very little of a price for it. Friend, the, pay, the only ones that's paying the price for it is the people that's attacked, yeah. not the people that's doing it. And I'll give you a perfect example. Again, last night I was listening to the news and that gentleman, well, I won't even call him a gentleman, the chap the, for the badminton with the, got six years for abusing children. Yeah, yeah, dreadful And story. the lady yeah. got two years for abusing children. Them children are abused for the rest of their lives. Yes. They're living the sentence. They'll, you men will be out in five, I'd say, good behaviour. Your one will be out one year, good behaviour. Yeah, he, I mean, he paid. For, he just just for listeners there? who mightn't know, he paid for access to the children so he could yeah. abuse them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that is diabolical. It's, to me, I'd be throwing away the key there. I definitely wouldn't be letting him out. Yeah, it's unthinkable, isn't it? It is. So where is the law 
that is covering them. The law seems to cover the criminals at times. The guards do the job the best they can, bring them in, and sure, slapping the wrist and they're back out again. As that gentleman said, he gave him a lift home. I mean, come on, you know? That's unbelievable. Teresa, good to talk to you and a happy Christmas to you, Teresa. And the same to you, Frank. Thank you for your time. Thank you and bye-bye to you now. That's uh, Teresa, very eloquent contributor. Um, 1800-938-007. Text WhatsApp 083-311-3311. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery's Garage. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Now, we were speaking to Sarah earlier on in the programme about her concerns over her illness benefits and not being entitled to any of the uh, the extra uh, bonuses uh, enjoyed by others on social welfare. But uh, Emma did a bit of uh, research for me and she's telling me the plans are going to Cabinet this morning. Uh, to extend the social welfare Christmas bonus to those on long-term illness benefit. And the Social Protection Minister, Heather Humphreys, will extend the annual double payment to those who have been on illness benefit for for 12 months or more. And most people remain on the payment for a short time, but some 17,500 people are on the benefit for more than a year. Now, these people will get a double payment in line with other uh, welfare payments in early December. So there you go. In fact, it was Pat Emma is telling me from, from our newsroom that's uh, sorted that out for us. So, Sarah, I hope it helps you uh, to hear that. Uh, listen around to say we've reduced guard numbers in a growing population, which is just crazy. On top of that, uh, the Gardaí are now reduced in physical size and no longer imposing in stature. A physically small force won't cut it and handing weapons to individual members will end in disaster. Start with the uh, revolving court sentences and the lack of progressive sentences for criminals with uh, who are career criminals. That's it from one of our listeners. Uh, Joan joins me now. Joan, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Good to talk to you uh, today, Joan. Um, on the conversation of the Guardi and arming uh, the Gardaí. How, how do you feel about that, Joan? Well, I feel they need something. They're now left with no choice if they, we need to police our community. There's a total lack of respect, in, which is frightening in society today. I grew up to believe that to respect the law and of the land and the Gardaí. The Gardaí are putting their lives in danger every day, and the law is doing absolutely nothing to protect them. Anyone who threatens or injures the Guard should get a life sentence. Now, not an American life sentence. An, an American life sentence, not an Irish one. Mm. It's, Could, our life sentence is a joke. Yes, yeah, so it can be anything from life, about 12 life. years up to yeah. 20 years. It's a joke. Yeah. It's a joke. Life should mean life. Yeah. And it's all down to a total lack of respect. Where That's is that coming it, from, do you think, Joan? Where is that lack of respect coming from? The lack of respect is coming from the home, from the small child at home. Too many children today are left to do whatever they like. And the parents are either too busy or not bothered to discipline or guideline their children. 
the whole situation where parents aren't even allowed to give a small smack to their child is beyond stupid. Mm. I mean, spare the rod and spoil the child comes to mind straight away. And I'm tired of hearing we can't raise our children the way we were brought up. Times are different, society is different, life is different. But surely to God, respect should be the same regardless of what century we're living in. It makes no difference. And parents don't want to have to parent their children. They want, oh, the teachers have to do it in school. The government must bring in a law. Somebody has to do everything to rear their children today. And it all starts at the mother and father's knee. I firmly believe that. And nothing will change me on my thought on that. And I think if you look at life, you reap what you sow. And that's what, where we're at, where we're at today. It all starts there. I know there are certain segments of our society where I'm sure parenting alone wouldn't have been the problem. And I don't want to hear about the people who are deprived. We all, and most of us in the countryside back in the 50s and 60s, we grew up with absolutely nothing. We didn't have all the games they have now. We didn't have all the facilities. We, they have now their swimming pools, they have pitches for this, that and the other and they can go out and get involved in all these numerous games and all the rest of it. We went out and we ran around the field. That's exactly what we done. We didn't get into doing any of this kind of thing. The reason we didn't, we were brought up to have respect. And that's exactly what yeah, The today. only thing is, Joan, it's worth pointing out that there's adults now living with the trauma of being beaten as a child as well. It's important to keep that in mind, you know, that it wasn't all oh, rosy, yes. wonderful stuff. No, it wasn't all rosy, wonderful stuff. And I, I would never uh, believe that that should happen. I mean, I, thank God I didn't have that experience. Mm. And most people I know didn't have that experience. But did you get a slap, for example? I would have got a slap. Yeah. Yes, I would have got a slap. I would have a cheeky little devil, you know. <laughs> and to be honest with you, my, my poor mother, God rest her soul, I broke her heart, I'd say. And the only reason that I didn't get more than one or two slaps was I was able to jump the hedge in front of the door and tear down the field and she couldn't catch up with me, you know, because I was a sprinter. And that's the only reason. But it didn't do me one bit of harm. I mean, she didn't have to slap me. Once she gave me a look and I knew what was coming, so I headed for the hedge and off with me. To be honest with you, you know. And I mean, you see, this is what's wrong today. Because you can't give a child a slap. There's no deterrent whatsoever. So if you can't even deter a small child with a little smack, how in God's earth do you think when they, some of these people grow up, do you think that the poor God that's out there can talk them down? No, they can't. They need something. Now, I wouldn't I like to think that we'd be, have a police force with guns. Mm. The, the thought of that would actually absolutely scare me, actually. But I think they need a taser. They definitely do need tasers. Look at what has happened over the last few weekends up yeah. around Dublin. Terrible. It's not just happening there. We're hearing it there because it's in the media. Yeah. There's stuff happening the whole time. We're not hearing about it. It's not out in the media. That's and can you understand reason. why there would be a delay in giving tasers to Gardaí who need it or indeed to body cameras to Gardaí? The body cameras definitely should. That shouldn't yeah. even have to be considered. Yeah. That should be part. It should be like their uniform to be handed out with the uniform as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I know there's consideration there about people's privacy and GDPR and yeah, all of that. But, you know? Fran, listen, don't start me on GDPR. What a load of cobblewash that is. What and you... all it's doing is protecting all the wrong people. Do you think... Fran, I don't care who sees me where or what I'm doing because I'm doing nothing out of the way. Hmm. And somebody says, oh God, I saw you Kenny today. Yeah, I was in Kenny today. So who gives a hoot? No. You know what I mean? You're not I bothered about your personal privacy or anything. No, like that, I couldn't care less. Well, could you, you understand a... that some people are, no? 
Well, I can understand the only people who would be that bothered about it are the people who are up to no good, to be honest with you, if you stop and think about that. I mean, why would Joe Soap or Mary Soap, like me, says, care? Who knows what they're doing? I couldn't care less. doesn't bother me. I won't lose sleep over it, you know. And for the people who are, they're the ones who are up to no good, one way or another, regardless of what, and I won't judge anyone, regardless of what people are doing, if they're afraid somebody is going to see them. Why? That's my question. Why yeah, you I mean, it would have a double whammy because the guards would have to behave impeccably as well because all of this is being recorded at the time. So you'd get yes. actually very good results from I would imagine. Would you? Well, so would I. Yeah. So would I. And it, I think, it, as I say, it should be handed out with the uniform. And they should be given a taser. And when a situation arises, like it has in the last couple of weekends around Dublin, they've produced your taser. It, it's a form of self-defence is all it is, mm. you know? I mean, people look at it as an instrument to hurt somebody or damage somebody. You won't pick it up. You won't meet somebody walking down the road going for a walk and use a taser. You know what I mean? Uh, to be honest with you, I wish to God I'd get my hands on a taser myself. Because <laughs> Have you somebody in mind me, to use it? <laughs> <laughs> well, if anyone bothers me, they'll be sorry for a start because part of yeah. my strongest muscle in my body is my tongue anyway. They'll get a lash of that anyway. Would they? Most definitely would. I can't walk on by. I'm not one of those people. But the trouble is, then, then you might cause harm to yourself because these people they they don't think twice about hitting a woman or assaulting a woman. Oh, I know they don't. I know they don't. But sometimes we need to hold people to account, and I think we have far too much fear as well as lack of respect in in the world today. People are afraid to say anything, to raise their voice, to raise their head. Mm. and to say, hold people to account. Well, I, uh, where, where I do completely agree with you on is that times are a change. I mean, if you're a teacher now, for example, parents are up to you straight away if you sort of say oh God, to I their know, children yeah. or, you know. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I have a teacher in the family, so I know, yeah. you know. Yeah, so yes, you can't you can't say boo as you say. It's totally again back to the lack of respect. If it's not taught at home, with a little bit of respect isn't shown. Starting at home with the parents, mm. respect for themselves. How in the name of God are they going to have respect as they go through life? And just finally, is part of it, Joan, that we're trying to give our kids what we didn't have growing up, and we're sort of spoiling them now to the point that they're not resilient or anything like that? Is that part of it? Well. Well, that's part of it. It is part yeah. of it, definitely. They get everything now. Like, our sunset clause was, if you were lucky, you might have a list, all right, but I'll tell you something, what came on Christmas morn didn't resemble the list. <laughs> and you didn't ask a question. I and if you, didn't, if you didn't behave yourself, you got nothing. You got a clapper that yes. on Sunday morning, on, yeah. on Christmas morning, to be honest. And I saw nothing wrong with that. Now, I... You know, I'm not in for beating children and all of this. But if, if a child, if you have a very petulant child... You have to do something. You can't just let them off because you're letting them out on society. Yeah, but like, you know, you know, nowadays most uh, child experts and all they'd say you're completely wrong about that, Joe. Yeah, but you know, there's too much of American way of living coming into our country, and that all started. Oh, yeah, definitely the American way of believing and thinking. Let them develop, develop naturally and normally. For God's sake, if you buy a dog, a little pup. And you don't train it. You piddle all over the place. It needs to be trained not to piddle, to piddle outside. The child is the same. But you see, you're supposed to sit the child down and explain to the child on their level why they did wrong. Yeah, try doing that with a two and a three-year-old. And and the best of luck to you, is what I would say. A little smack on the hand and a big no 
will work way better. I know people, and when my children were growing up, I never tied a press door. And I know of houses where they had to tie the doors of the presses because the children pull everything out. My children never touched anything because they knew what no meant. And they knew what a smack in the hand. If it went up to the door once or twice, a little smack and a big no. And a no that I meant. They didn't go back again. They thought, because no, I better not do this. All right, Joan. Well, I must leave it there, but thank you so much for coming on with me. It was a real treat, Joan. Thank you. Good morning to you. Bye-bye, Joan. That's Joan speaking to us this morning. News is on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Tipperary. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat. Uh, welcome back to Tip Today. 083-311-3311 for your text and a WhatsApp. Fran, all of your speakers making very good points, but I think the Garda Force should be armed at this point. They're dealing with a different race of people, ruthless tugs that have no respect for the law or anybody else. That's my view of it anyways, is one of our listeners. Somebody else saying, excellent points by your callers today, Fran, uh, where children are concerned. Three teachers in my family, and it seems to me that every second child in the school are now described as having a condition. 083 Tip FM's Match 3 Game. Tip FM's Match 3 Game. With Stakelum's Home and Hardware and Expert Electrical at Racecourse Road, Thurless. Stakelum.ie Let's go to the phones and Paula is there. Paula, good morning. Morning, Frank. How are you today, Paula? I'm very well, and yourself? Ah, sure, I'm fine indeed. Whereabouts in the county are you? I'm in Feathers, Frank. Very good indeed, and a lovely place to be too. Are you feeling lucky today, Paula? I'm feeling lucky, but I've missed a few early mornings, so um, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes <laughs> indeed. Well, all right, yeah. you know the story. If you open a box and if the prize is gone, I'll give you another shot at it. If you if that prize is gone, uh, then we have to say goodbye, Paula. Is that okay? That's fine, Frank. All right, open a box for me. Okay, I'm going to go with 34, Frank. Number 34. Let's open that and let's see what the story is. Number 34 is a DeLonghi oil-fired, uh, oil-filled radiator even, and it's worth about 130 euros. So that's a nice prize. Open a second one for me. Okay, we're going to go with 71. Okay, let's open that and see where we are. You're doing well, Paula. 71 is a DeLonghi oil-filled radiator as well. So two out of three ain't bad, but you need a third one. Pick another number for me. And we're going to go with number 12, Frank. Let's have a look. We have a winner. Well done, you, Paula. Great. Well done. Many congratulations to you and we'll be in touch with you where that is concerned. So an oil-filled radiator for you. So it'll be a warm Christmas, Paula. Oh, that's great, Frank. Great. (laughs) Thanks so much. Do you want to say hello to anybody as you're on, Paula? Ah, just everybody. 
everyone that knows me, friend. That's the easiest thing. All right. Happy Christmas to you, Dote. And thanks. same to you. Thanks very much, Lee. Thank you. Bye-bye to you. Now, that's Paula Cahill there, who is a winner in our Match 3 competition. All right, then. Uh, let's uh, play a piece for you, because Bonnie spoke to me in the first hour of the programme this morning about concerns um, with uh, road safety in Killinall. Now, she's calling on uh, the Council for Road Calming Measures and Pedestrian Crossings. She says the situation is quite dangerous. Have a listen to this. Here's a little of what she had to say to me just after nine o'clock this morning. Is there any reason, is there something stopping the council or whoever is in charge of this from putting the calming and the pedestrian crossings in the street? And there must be a reason because they're in Balanonte. They got a, in in Bal- you know Balanonte as well. Course, yes. They have uh, they have um, a calming uh, crossing mm-hmm. there. Yeah. They have it in Ballingarry. They have it in Littleton. They have it. They have it in Feather. They have it in Mullinow. They have it in every town that you travel mm. around the country. They're there. But not so I, I, I would like our councillors to listen if they're listening this morning, or the people in the council, to simply explain. Why, so far, they haven't done it in Killinall? And why do you think that is the case? I don't know, Fran. We right. all. We, I, I'm, I'm. I'm just speaking for myself now. I'm not speaking for anybody else. Yeah. I don't know why we can't have it in Killinall. Like in the summertime, there are in the springtime when they're doing silage. I see young lads on tractors with loads of silage going down, going down uh, River Street, and. You would think that they were on a runway in the in the airport. Speeding. Speeding. And you have a lot of people like coming for their children at three and four o'clock in the afternoon. I, I feel sorry for the children coming from school as well because they have to crisscross, you know, uh, the road. And that's Bunny who spoke to me this morning just after nine o'clock. And of course, we're with you every single weekday morning from nine. And uh, we look forward to... Joining us as early as that, 1800-938-007. Time for... For every problem, there's a solution. Dear Phil, on Tip Today with Phil Prendergast. Dear Phil, and Phil is with me. Morning, Phil. Good morning, dear friend. (laughs) That has a certain ring to it, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. So, are you all prepped and ready to deal with people's problems? I am. Good, good. I'm delighted to hear it. Let's go to uh, letter number one straight away then. Hi, Phil. My daughter is 19 and is an only child. We've always had a great open relationship and share everything with each other. She has a boyfriend since she was 16. He's a really lovely fella and we all get on very well. He treats her well and they seem to have a very easygoing relationship. She came to me last week to say that they've decided to move in together and they found a house to rent in the town. I couldn't hide my shock. I told her that I thought she was too young and why would she waste her money when she could stay here and save up for a deposit for a house further down the line. She told me I was out of touch and the couples who are together for much less time already live together and I just need to accept it. I just think she's way too young to make such a commitment but I can't seem to make her see that. She just thinks it's one big adventure. I asked her if she thinks she's going to marry him but she laughs and says she's too young. I don't see the difference. What can I do? Gosh, this is quite a dilemma, isn't, isn't it? it just, I, I would yeah. consider myself that she's very young because 19, she's obviously yeah. just either finished school or in college or whatever. But it's the the very 
thing, I suppose, of they're going to move in together. But the average rent now could be anywhere from one thousand to fourteen hundred for yeah. a for a house. Hugely and expensive. So I absolutely, and I would see unless her boyfriend is considerably older than her and is in a job where that's not going to be an issue for them. I don't know where this girl is going to be able to contribute a kind of even half that amount to in a, mm. in a shared accommodation or, or if it's with other people or what. So I would understand the mum's upset at this because it does seem that it's a it's a very big move for quite a young girl who is yes. an only child. Um, and, you know, always when the mum writes in a letter like this and you think, is, is, is there a dad around or is there anyone else with another opinion mm. that could maybe inform the decision or maybe have the two of them meet with the daughter and her partner and and say look really it's it's um it's this is a big deal it's it's a big life step it's a big it's quite momentous um and there's a considerable cost mm. to it so i i can actually understand the mother's perspective on this um on the other hand she does she's she's quite she seems to be quite flippant about the fact that this may not be a permanent um, relationship and i just think it's a very big step to actually decide to move into a house with somebody but i suppose Look, but she, she's nineteen. She's perfectly entitled to do. Oh, that. and she, she's it's an perfectly adult. legal. Yeah. It's all of the, all of that. But I'm just wondering where she is with her prospects for a job, or has she got a job, or is she self-employed? No yeah. So mm. we we don't when when you get these letters sometimes, and there isn't a lot of background, it can completely distort the picture. It could be that she's mom is quite wealthy, and there's not an issue with money, and she's going to support her. But I can understand that this is being an only child as well. I think in particular that it's a it's a big move mm. and um, it's you know and, and it's good as well they have an open relationship and they share everything with each other so it's it's not I suppose as if this should have been entirely unexpected but I do think when you see the age 19 and there's lots of brilliant 19 year olds very mature mm -hmm. in great jobs and quite settled and quite smart so I'm not dissing that I just think it is a big move and she is quite young but sure look if mm. she's happy and the mum can accept it and it's, it's not a flash in the pan though because they're together since she was 16 so at least there's yeah, and she also said yeah. that when the mother asked her if she's going to marry him, she says she's too young. She's too young, but sure, I mean, there's loads of people I know got married at 18 and 19 yeah. and, ex you know, absolutely happy. But anyway, what can she do? I think she'll just have to draw breath and see how that goes. This may not last. It may be a brilliant relationship. It may be a brilliant move. So all she can mm. do is respect her decision and l let her know that there's a... a a room yeah. back for her if she needs to move. And that's the thing. Don't turn the room into a study. Exactly. <laughs> well, that she, could, she, might she, she might, might be back. She might be back, indeed. Oh. All right. Uh, our second letter then, Phil. Dear Phil, I'm a parent of school-going kids and all the parents in my child's class are on a WhatsApp group. It's just for school notices and activities, so I rarely add anything to it bar the odd thumbs up. Well, that all changed last Friday when I got a really smutty text off my friend, which had a little bit of porn in it, but it was mainly a joke text. I forwarded it to my brother for a laugh and put the phone away. I checked my phone half an hour later and I had a load of mixed, missed calls and texts from friends in the school and then I realised my mistake. 
I forwarded the message to the parents group. Whoops, I nearly died. I deleted it straight away and said nothing, but it was there for at least half an hour. Nobody has mentioned it, but uh, I know everybody saw it. I've been debating whether or not to post an apology to the group or leave it alone. I'm mortified. What should I do? God, imagine this happens time and again. And fat fingers, yeah. Blame whatever you like. Um, She said she had a load of missed calls and texts from friends. So it's not, she said nobody has mentioned it. That's a mention when people saw texts and when there's texts and there's phone calls. That's that's a mention. I do think that she would be very wise to actually have an abject apology and say this was totally and absolutely inappropriate, not at all meant for the group and didn't mean to disrespect the forum of the group and what it's for and that it must have been appalling for Manny and that she's deeply, deeply sorry. She thought she was sending it to a family member who would have sense of humour about that kind of thing mm. but it, it, there is nothing worse than pressing that text button and saying oh my god and after sending it to a group text it's just mm. the etiquette of never sending a text if there's drink taken drugs taken <laughs> <laughs> when you're vexed don't do it yes. it's too easy it's too easy to do things like that when you're not maybe have had full balance in how you're thinking mm. Um, it's always wiser to wait. And particularly if you're sending something that has content that wouldn't be suitable for children or wouldn't be suitable to send to the priest. <laughs> Might be. But um, that she should absolutely, she should apologise and say this is not in character for her. This was absolutely, totally not... Um, I really feel for this. I, I, I mean, it was well a bit of a laugh. And, you know. I do as well because, you know, I mean, the text was obviously a bit raw. Mm. You know, and probably to get that even in the middle of the day, there'd be a wrongness about that. I know. You know. Will she be judged on that now? I, I would say that people might take it at face value and say, look, she got a text, she sent it on, she fat fingers, whatever was the reason, mm. she sent it to the group uh, instead of, of uh, her brother. Um, and people might judge her for that. But people judge anyway, Fran. There's people judging oh, us all geez, the time. Don't I know? And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think all she can do really is she should post an apology but and make that apology very fulsome mm. and just say this is not her style. Um, she's absolutely appalled. Thank the people for sending the texts and the phone and the phone calls to her. Um, and really and truly, it was not her. They were not her intended recipients, and that she can only apologise abjectly for having done it and um, move on. Right. Okay. But you you would address it. Right. Absolutely. Would, would I don't think you can it. leave something like because it's in the air. Then they 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 don't know, know. if she actually thought about saying, oh. Some of these might enjoy this. Some of these might have a heart attack. And others <laughs> might laugh for half a day over yes, it, you know, know, and pass it on to other people themselves. <laughs> so there's that, you know. And yeah, yeah, there's, there's yeah. something. When you've sent a text that you sent to the wrong person, you know, I've known somebody send a text about a person to the person. Oh, Lord. Yeah, it wasn't me. Right, OK. <laughs> and how did that work out? Um, I think there was a... Fallout. Right, yeah. I, I I would imagine so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's, it, look, it's 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 internet etiquette. You have to have some rules for yourself, and there should be rules about people who decide to post late at night or when they've had a few glasses or a yes. pints or 
you know, when there's an issue that's been needling on them and they're full of bravery and clarity of head when they're none of those things. And yeah, I think you should always have a few rules for yourself about just not doing it. Yes. Just not doing it. Well, I keep advising my colleagues here about that send button. Think yeah. twice before you write all the emails you want, but think twice before you hit the Absolutely. send button. Absolutely. And I mean, I mean, it was one of the reasons I went off Facebook was because there was so much rubbish on it. I know. And you would read things out and you just say, oh, for God's sake. And I just thought, I'm sitting here in what's supposed to be something that you, you like to do. And all it was doing was annoying me. I know. So I had to just say to myself, well, sure, you're giving this oxygen. You're allowing yourself to get annoyed because you're looking And tell at me it. about that because I'm thinking of getting off it at the moment. I mean, does it take you... What, I mean, we become addicted to it, you see, Phil. Only addicted when you actually do it. I was... It, I, you, you're looking for reliable sources of information. Yes. Now, Twitter has also gone completely bonkers mm. at the moment because Elon Musk has decided uh, that, you know, that it'll be a forum for whatever and he's letting he, Trump... He, and he's play toy, yeah. So he, he doesn't really know... I, I mean, his stupidity in relation to... What what he did was very extraordinary that he he sacked people en masse um, and then people that had the codes for letting people out hadn't got them because he had Crazy. deactivated it. So the man clearly and, and also his, his whole antics of walking in to the Twitter thing with a sink. Was he going to sink the Twitter? Was this what it is? Is that, is that what was meant by that you know, image. that, yeah, that yeah, image? Yeah. So um, look, there's, there's a whole there's a whole thing Going off Facebook, you they'll threaten you for the month. You know, say you in a month's time, all your everything will be deleted. And my reason are worrying. They threaten you in so far as like the person was saying that you will not Do be they? able to retrieve this and da, da 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 da. So I mean, that's all part of their process, and that's just that's a process. That's just right. a button someone presses and that activates that. It's not there's no real people involved yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's yeah. process. So. Once you realise that, my biggest worry was that, oh, are all my photographs that were ever there, are they all going to be gone? Because there would be family photographs mm. and when mm. my brother died. and There was a few photos I knew, nice photos I had of them. And I, I wanted to make sure I had. Then I realised, you know what, that's all probably in Dropbox or something else. Yes. And that just shows my lack of knowledge about the whole thing. With the little it's in the cloud, you see. It's in the cloud, it's in the, in the cloud. cloud yeah. But yeah, I did worry about it. But I have to say the only part of it I would miss would be the Slim World Group. Because that was something right. so I'd, I'd, but I. But you don't miss it other than at, that? At, at all. I do at not all. miss it. Okay, interesting. No. I'll let you know how I get on. Yeah. Um, our third letter Dear Phil, I work with a guy in the office and his breath stinks. I mean, it really stinks. Uh, we sit very close to each other, so every time he speaks in my direction, the smell just wafts over. It's really disgusting. I try to discreetly turn my head or cover my nose, but the more it goes on, the less I'm concerned about trying to be polite. It's really vile. I've offered him chewing gum, but he always refuses. I bring in baking from home to see if that will solve in case he just needs to eat something, but nothing works. Lately, I've tried to drop a subtle message in how I physically react to it uh, to see if he takes the hint, but nothing. Aside from being totally direct, is there anything I can do? Yeah, this is a, a very difficult one. Um, the official name for bad breath is halitosis, mm. and it it just means there's normally you know good dental hygiene will prevent it. It, be, it can be to do with the teeth, it can be to do with the tongue, mainly it can be to do with digestive issues, some any stomach issues, stuff like that. And it is relatively common 
in people and you know a lot of people don't don't know they have halitosis or bad breath because mm. they're not smelling their own breath. Of course. Yeah. But it it would it could be to do with um medical conditions as well and anything to do with the digestive system. Some cancers cause it enzyme reactions within the stomach. Do they? Yeah. yeah. Um digestive issues in terms of people having food that they might not be suited to. Um, that's all the reasons. However, that doesn't address this lady's mm. issue. Mm. So she has a couple of options. One of the options she could look, say, like if if it's possible to rejig her office so that she is not sitting opposite him. Mm. So if they share a desk, she should try and think maybe about putting a partition so that she has her notice board in the centre that will stop her either looking at him or smelling him. <laughs> But sorry, I shouldn't she, laugh. No, no, but you see, it's it's a very sensitive one know, because he may be unaware that he's rotten. You know, he may be unaware of that. Um, and if he's on treatment, if he's not, she might be better to say to him, "Your, your breath is really, really getting to me. It's very, it's very. You know, have you a stomach issue or something?" <laughs> because if she's sharing an office with him all that time, she should be able to say it. But I do know, and I'm squinching up my eyes. That is very difficult That's to say. Very difficult to say. So if they have two desks, I would suggest that she turns her back to him, re- goes in and feng shui's the office and decides that, look, this is the new way now. This is where this is where the feng shui should be. This is where right. our chair should be for the optimum of everything and do whatever she likes, but so that she's not facing him and having to feel the full effects of his halitosis. Right. But... She, is it, it possible that he could be completely unaware of this? It, it is it? possible, yeah, it is, mm. it is. Right. Now, this is beyond somebody drinking too many cups of coffee and having it, coffee see, breath, is it? it's not that, because it's not it's, that. coffee breath is, is not that unpleasant. Beer mm. breath is not that unpleasant mm. either, unless it's hawing into your mm. head and you're just thinking, go away. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yes. So there, there is, it, there, it is a sensitive issue, but there are people that have conditions and they could have bad breath because of it. One of the things she could do as well is bring in a, um, a jug of water with ice and whatever and make sure that he's drinking enough because being dehydrated mm. can cause bad breath mm. as well. Um, definitely digestive issues where, where they may have an issue with something they're allergic to or they're unaware of it or they could be a celiac. There's many, many issues and you have to have a sensitivity about dealing with it. But this woman is nearly at the end of her tether. I would suggest strongly that she does either if it's a shared desk that she puts up and says, I have my note support here, I have a few things to do, so don't don't feel excluded. Mm. I know you're behind there. Um, and that might even it for herself. She could bring in an atomizer and she could have some essential oils in it which are very pleasant for everyone. It might do the place good mm. and at least would dilute that. And it, maybe he would take the hint. Mm. Um, and obviously if they're listening at all, they're going to know that when the office gets feng shui'd that actually it's about them. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, these is, are who it is. And is but, it possible? I mean, how far am I from you now? We're about, what, three or four feet, are we? Well, like, would you, if somebody really had a problem with breath, would you smell it from that distance? I wouldn't say so. No. I would say that you, you that's a decent distance to be from someone, but right, you can't okay. smell their but breath. But she's obviously in close proximity. She's, yeah, but obviously it, it, is, yeah. it is because she just said it's, I mean, she says his breath stings, I mean, it really stinks. Um, the smell just wafts over. It's really disgusting. It's really vile. So she's in five places. She's saying how bad this is. Right. So she is too close. Now, there is, um, there's an accepted 
spacing between people and then there's somebody that's in your they're in, in your, your aura bubble. and if yeah. they're if they're in your bubble it's it's uncomfortable because people that come into a space that's your space it's uncomfortable if somebody comes in that's unwanted into that space this could require that they need to rejig the whole office. Mm. That it could be that maybe they need to move filing cabinets or something to give more space so that they can spread desks out. Or she says, I'm going to go over to this corner and I'm going to work from there, it's better light or whatever reason. There is a way around this. But ultimately, it would be good if this chap knew that he really mm. has it. He may not. Right. He may not know, and he could address it then. I he guess could. in some way as well. Yeah, but it is a t- it's a bit like the bo in the office thing. Well, it is, it? You know, and again, you, very like hard to deal with. It is hard to deal with, but you you do have to do some. And when people start bringing in sprays and doing all sorts of things, you you could be taking the hint there. Like that's there's something some smelly fecker in here, <laughs> and the smelly fecker could, could be, be yourself. yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so I I'm oh I'm sorry yeah. if if that sounded as if it's you know um, we're being facetious but it's it's a serious issue it for is, people course, when you yeah. have to work in close proximity um, and she really it's getting to her because it's five times mentioned how vile it is right. so and it can be very 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 unpleasant but it's obviously a serious issue for the guy himself because that, that could affect relationships I guess and it, interactions it, 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 with it, people it affects actually like, everything but yeah. the best thing he could do for himself is if he did know that um he could go to the doctor and maybe get checked out because he may have a condition that could respond. He could have thrush um, all down through his body. There could be any number. Of, he could be di- diabetic. He should have a medical check anyway. And maybe she should be putting like a, a leaflet or some sort of information from the internet right. about that. Does diabetes affect that as well? Can do, yeah. Can it? Well, it right. can give them sweet breath. And sometimes then, of course, if somebody has eaten something, and you know people now that have had a feed of garlic and stuff like that, sure. they're yeah. coming in. And I'm I mean, I love garlic, but sometimes garlic doesn't like me, you know, and I, I'd be raging over that. But anyway, so you just have to be yes. mindful of where you're going to be. And if you're working with people that maybe are would be sensitised to that sort of thing, it, it can be difficult. It can be difficult. And it's a sensitive subject. But this really could be sorted quite easily. She might have to do the relocating the desk thing mm. to, in, in the initial stages. But maybe at some point, if she's working with that person a long time, and mm. if there's no other manager that can speak about the issue, that she can sort of yes. make somebody else do the dirty work. If, if, if it has to be just the two of them because they're managing a business together, she does need perhaps at some point to say, look, I'm, I don't want to affect you and then go on and offend him by telling her, <laughs> telling him. So yeah, yeah it, it is it is difficult. But people that have halitosis, I mean, they they're, they're not deliberately having halitosis. Mm. They have it for a reason, and yeah. it might need treatment or they might need to be on some. Well, that's a, a very some, kind way to think about it. Phil, it's always a pleasure. Thank, thank you so much, thank you, uh, indeed. Uh, Eighteen hundred nine three eight double oh seven. We almost get a great reaction to to Phil's commentary so uh, if you want to add to anything we've been uh, chatting about we'd love to hear from you equally if you have uh, a problem or an issue that you'd like Phil to address it's uh, simple all you have to do is get in touch with us and it's tip today at tipfm.com Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie 
Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie. Well, there's awful graphic pictures in some of the newspapers today of that poor child who was mauled by a uh, pit bull dog in Wexford over the weekend. The boy who was just nine was playing football with some other children on the estate. Um, When he was singled out and attacked by this dog that belonged to a neighbour. Now his injuries are life-changing. Here is his uh, brother, Rawl. Uh, speaking about the horrific injuries that he suffered. His face is completely destroyed. Um, he has no, no lip. Um, like, his face, it's in bits. Like, I don't know how to describe it. Just that his face is not that like he used to be anymore. It's just uh, completely changed. Like, he's not the same anymore. So, like, we cannot really recognize him, like, the way he looks now at the moment. It's in terribly bad condition. Our vet, uh, Mairead Leahy of Aravets, joins me now. Mairead, good morning to you. Morning. I'm not sure, Mairead, if you saw those pictures today, but they're they're absolutely yeah. horrific. The damage that these dogs can do. Yeah, and I suppose before I started, I, I know that it's a really sensitive subject right now, especially it's very, very raw for like not only his family, but other people who may have had attacks as well in their past, you know, yeah. from a dog. So it is a really sensitive topic. Um what I will say is I know there's like the train of thought like where people say oh you know it's to do with the owner and we shouldn't be labelling dogs but unfortunately there are certain breeds that can do way way more damage than other breeds and that's a known fact Um, their jaws you know even just from their physical look their Mm. jaws are way bigger they're way way stronger but they also have a genetic component where they are bred for certain reasons you know or down along their history and their past they are bred for certain reasons so they have that you know um drive in them the guarding drive or the hunting drive or whatever is in them you know they're what they're an animal at the end of the day and what would drive a dog like that i mean seemingly this kid was with other children so and he particularly went for him is that because he so was... there could be many reasons from what i was reading and obviously like these are all like you know i don't know facts um, and yeah, i don't course, you yeah. know yeah. so what i heard what i read was that this dog has only recently been taken over by these owners i don't know if you heard the same thing i think he's only with this family maybe two weeks or something mm. from what i read in one paper um so like straight away you don't know that dog background um it could have been a case that the child had the ball and he want you know that that the ball if there was a ball involved mm. or a toy or a food or something like that um who knows who knows what happened to the dog in the past um but like that doesn't excuse any of the reasons um these dogs are by law um on the on the restricted dog list which means that they're meant to be, one of the things is that they have to be on a lead in public places, they have to be muzzled, and they have to be um, a, a person over 16 years old have to be in charge of them. And that's the law, Mairead? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when they're out and they're roaming around, like, can these dogs be docile? Or is there always that danger that they can be triggered by something because of, of their genetics? Of- yeah, of course, like you can have the best dog in the world and who knows what will happen. Like my dog Milo is, 
honestly like one of the best tempered dogs that I have ever come across but I will not leave my little one year old in the room alone with him because the one year old could do anything like you know he could grab him by the ear he could grab him by the tail and you know the dog might just turn around to get rid of that person off their tail and damage a child you know what I mean like anything can happen anything can happen with a dog I wouldn't I wouldn't um, I wouldn't trust it I wouldn't trust the child in our case with the dog yes, do you know yeah, of course um, but like a dog can't any dog shouldn't be left roaming um, around a place where children are playing by itself any dog a Jack Russell could have done the same thing but would not have probably caused the same damage do you know what I mean do we need further laws around this? Do no, you, we need think? to reinforce the laws we have. Right. To police them is what you're saying, is that it? Yeah, they need to be reinforced. Like, what is the point in bringing in more? Like, the law is there. It's already there. It says that the dog should be on a lead and the dog should have a muzzle on it and the dog should um, be under the control of someone over the age of 16. So the law is already there. We just need to reinforce it. The, the, so these are pit bulls. So what what other breeds are there on that list? Um, so there the other ones. I need to have it in front of me. The German Shepherds are on it. Um, bull Terriers, German Shepherds, Rot- Rottweilers, um, Rottweilers, yeah. Dobermans. Um, I think there's about sixteen on it. Right. And any of the crossbreeds then of them. This dog was a pit bull crossed with something else. I hadn't actually heard of the other breeds before. Right. Um, and what, what? Why would they be crossed like that? Is that with a view to making them? I don't who, know. who knows? Who like knows, yeah. who knows? Um, I don't know those kind of dogs. If you see their jaws, I mean, Jesus, they latched onto you. Like, do you know? Yeah. And, what, and then what? What were they originally for? Were they hunting dogs or something? The pit bulls, I'd say, were hunting or guard dogs, oh, probably. Right. Okay. Um. They all have that kind of background of being a guard dog slash, you know, hunting. They have, look, dogs have that drive in them. They're all derived back from the wolf. Yes. And um, they have that drive in them. We have a responsibility. We have domesticated dogs. We have changed their breeds. Um, you know, we, we we have done this to dogs and we have a responsibility, um, you know, to, to, take, to take that on board and, you know, look, you know, be in control of them. Um, and... I think there's been a few incidences like this really yeah. in the last year, hasn't there? Yeah, we're hearing from lots of our listeners now about various different, like one listener just on there now to say, uh, you know, I'm on a beach on a regular basis and, uh, you know, dogs are just roaming free yeah. and not being looked after. Some of them can be very aggressive and certainly not on leads. And this is the problem, like, all you know, dogs should be on a lead in a public place for their own safety and for people's safety. I see it even in Tipperary here, and um, we have the Tipperary Hills, and people let their dog off. And, you know, other dogs are on the leads, then they're like, oh, no, he's friendly. And you're like, but but you just, you don't want anything to happen between two dogs up in the hills or even just going into the long grass, um, you know, where, where there might be something poisonous in there. You know, they should be on leads. Um, and children children are children at the end of the day and they can't they can't trigger a dog you know we're know. we're 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 the adults we're responsible for for them and there's no excuse to have a dog roaming in a house and estate um that could cause a problem for sure a listener is wondering and wants me to ask you about a staffordshire bull terrier are they just as dangerous as the one that attacked the child because this, my, this person is from, uh, aware of a family who has one and they think it's a, it's a grand dog 
Yeah, like from my experience, Staffordshire Bull Terriers are very friendly dogs. They're very, very hyper. Um, they could knock a child over. Like they're very hyper. Um, there is no, there is no breed. I think that you can say. I, look, to be honest, I wouldn't get one for a young family. That was just my opinion on it because okay. they're very, they're very um, hyper and playful. And you know, even when they come into the clinic, I've never had a bad experience at one. They're always really good to do anything with, but they're mm. so hyper. They'll jump on top of you. They'll lick your face. They're, you know, they're all over you. Um, and the same with like with the pit bulls. Like, geez, I wouldn't get that for a family in a million years. I wouldn't recommend one in a million years. Same as I wouldn't recommend a German Shepherd for a family. I'd be saying, you know, look at your look at your like say a Golden Retriever or your mm. Labrador or your Cavalier King Charles. Mm. Something a uh, little more docile, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, and just you need to have you need you know you need to have um but. At the end of the day, no dog is safe, Fran, and that's the bottom line. Like Milo, I can't 100% say that Milo would never bite a child. Who can say that about their dog? All right, well, again, I'm looking at these pictures in front of me and they're absolutely horrific, yeah. Mairead. Absolutely. I can't even see how plastic surgery would help this kid. I mean, No, it's so I haven't looked at them now, Fran, no, to be you honest. Shouldn't. Because you shouldn't. That's terrible. I wouldn't, yeah, I just that's feel terrible. for that family, yeah. especially I have a nine-year-old son at home and... Milo is his life and he would never do anything wrong to a dog and can you imagine even the trauma that that family are going to go through every time they see a dog on the street or you know and people should have respect for other people's opinions about dogs and there are people out there with fear of dogs and that has to be respected as well you know. All right, Mairead, always a pleasure. Thank, Thank you, you and good morning Bye. to you. Mairead Leahy there of uh, Aravets in uh, Tipperary Town, 1800 Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie if it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. Now, we were talking about that attack on the young nine-year-old in Wexford by the Pitbull Terrier, somebody who uh, knows only too well the effects uh, that an attack like this can have on a family. Is my next guest, Anne-Marie. Anne-Marie, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. And Anne-Marie, we really appreciate you coming on with us because this must bring you back horrible memories. Well, Fran, to be honest with you, this didn't have to happen to bring back memories because we're living with that attack every day of our lives. Because every time I look at my daughter or she looks in the mirror or even just goes to pick up a pen, she is covered with scars that's going to be there forever for her. Would you just remind us what happened to her, Anne-Marie? She was out walking with her two little dogs down in a field down the road where we had permission to be in the field from the man that owns the field. Um, there, there was this other man that used to walk his pit bulls down there. I had, um, well, the both of us had an agreement that we'd have certain times when he'd use the field and I'd use the field. You know, so the dogs are, or we wouldn't be clashing mm, yes. because I wouldn't even go near the, those dogs, even though at the time they weren't after attacking or doing anything. But still, I was afraid of my life of them. I wouldn't go, go down near the field. But anyway, my daughter went down one day um, late. That was our time designated to go to the field. And here was this chap in the field with his four pit bulls. 
the field was so long, my daughter didn't see the dog from down at the end of the field. She went in to bring our two little dogs in for the walk, and all of a sudden, these four pit bulls came flying up the field out of nowhere. And that was the start of it. There was just pandemonium. Then my daughter was destroyed, jumped in the river, in the sure river, jumped in the river. To get away from them. To get away from them and to get her own two little dogs away. One of her little dogs survived, but she'll never be the same. Our other little dog, unfortunately, was torn to bits. The same as my daughter was torn to bits. We have those memories and those she have to live with those scars forever. And can you tell me about the 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 damage to her, Anne Marie? She's all um like all her top her top body from her neck down to her waist. There was absolutely I said it before, there was junk taken out of her arms. She was trying to protect her little dog. She didn't care about herself at the time. She was, it was all her little dogs. There was junk. Those dogs, they swallowed flesh from her arms and her shoulder, one of her shoulders. They swallowed flesh from her. My God. She escaped dying by one millimetre. There was two fangs in her neck that we didn't even know about on the night because she was covered in mud and blood and everything. The next day, the surgeons told her she escaped death by that amount. There were teeth marks in her neck. In her neck, there was two fangs. Thank God they didn't go in any further than they did because she was gone. Oh, my God. She was gone, yeah. But we didn't know that on the night. We didn't know that till the next evening, till after surgery. And how is she now, Anne Marie? How is she? Her life, her life, Fran, is destroyed. That's all I can say. Her life is destroyed. I'm actually mad about it now. I was concerned with the last good few months about, but I'm actually mad about it now because she was a young woman. She had everything going for her, a great job, everything, and no matter what she do now. Everything has to be down to the last second of where she's going to go, how long she's going to be. Are people going to be here walking their dogs? If she even wants to buy a stitch of clothes, which she won't even go out to a shop to buy a stitch of clothes, the few bits that she would buy, not that she has much interest in it anymore, is online. And all she'd say is, I wonder will will, will this dress cover up this or will that dress? cover up that. Because she's scarred. Because she's scarred. Yeah. And she's scarred so bad that she was offered plastic surgery. She's not ready to go down that road yet. I don't think she will ever be ready to go down that road. She won't even go for a walk unless her sister is with her or I'm with her. And if she do go for a walk, it's about 200 yards up the road and back and she thinks she'll never get back inside the gate again. And she was an outgoing girl, was she, Anne-Marie? She yeah, had none of these was. social issues beforehand? Or? Oh, no, 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 no. And she and... If she's seen ten pit bulls coming down the road with someone, she'd say, oh, they're lovely dogs. 
any kind of dog, yeah, any she kind of dog. She's yeah. a real animal lover. Oh, they're lovely. Oh, they're gorgeous. She'd be the first in to rob him. The same as a child would be, the same as a child would, but no one would leave their child go to a strange dog anymore. And I wouldn't blame him. The day of going robbing a dog is gone. I wouldn't blame him. But if, if she's out for a walk or if someone passed the gate with a fence, someone passed, everything is from a distance. To, to speak to someone, to say, oh, that's a lovely little dog you have. Everything is from a distance. But, I mean, what she's suffering from is post-traumatic stress. And yeah, is she, is she getting any help with this? She is, but it's bringing back. She's getting the help, but it's she bringing, can't talk about it it's yet. It's bringing the experience back to her yeah. all over again, yeah. It, yeah, but it's, it's with her all the time because she can't get away from it. She's covered in scars. She can't get away from it. My God, it's, it's, it's un- yeah. unthinkable, it's her, isn't it? You know? Yeah, yeah. And to say that to say that she went through it, she did go through it. It was horrific. But it's not only the person that, after being attacked by an animal, it's the whole family, brothers, sisters, parents. The whole family are going looking at it. And they feel totally, totally helpless. So it affects everybody's life, it you're affects, saying to me. Yeah. It affects everyone. And it's it's worrying when when I'm in there and I see my daughter sitting down, and she's staring blankly at a wall, because I know what's going through her head, and she's just staring. Do you know what I mean? And what's going through her? Is she reliving this in some way? Do you think she she must be reliving it and thinking and thinking of what's after happening to her. She can't get away from it. She can't get it out of her head. And then, yeah. and then, like, when we go, for instance, the other day, for instance, we were sitting in the sitting room. The fire was lighting. A, a big spark, now it was bigger than normal, came out of the fire. Well, she nearly hit the roof with the fright and went as white as a ghost with the fright of it. So the least just, thing will, will be yeah, traumatic she, for her. She's living on her nerves. She's living on her nerves, she is. Oh, the poor dote. What, yeah. what What? more, what should be done at this? I mean, there are laws in place at the moment, Look, but are they not being policed, do you think? Or? Fran, Fran, we were speaking to the guard. The guard said they're doing everything they can, and I believe them that they are. They're doing everything they can. They're, they're after approaching people. They're being laughed at. They're being abused. When attacks like this go to court, it's the judge and the court have to be stronger and they have to push, hold these people accountable, these people that have their dogs, these people that's leaving dogs, run around the place, bringing dogs for walks, not a lead in sight, and then you hear, my dog wouldn't do that. My dog wouldn't do this. So no one knows. I said it before. There no one knows when a dog would snap or get a fright over the least little thing. 
Well, our, our, our vet has confirmed that, Anne Marie, earlier on there. She was even speaking about her own dog, who's a lovely, kind, docile dog, but yeah. she wouldn't leave her child with him. No, no. Yeah. You just don't know. Like, a person could snap. Yeah, yeah. You know, animals, and they do, they'll do more damage. And it could only be, and it could be your dog that won't do anything, that's the nicest little dog in the world snap and the damage that they will do in one second. Anne-Marie, will you give her my best? And it was really very kind of you to talk to us today on what is obviously still very raw and still very real for Uh, for you as a family. Thank you so much, Anne-Marie. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. Bye-bye, Janelle. It's Anne-Marie speaking about her daughter, who again was horrifically injured by a dog, and that's in light of that recent story about the the nine-year-old who was mauled by the pit bull in Wexford yesterday and those horrific pictures all over the newspapers today. That's it uh, from me. Emma produced, Ali looks after our content, Stephen is on the way and I will talk to you tomorrow. Look after yourselves won't you? Bye bye. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on You can't beat experience With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie